entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A federal judge has issued a partial gag order on former President Donald Trump in his election interference case. She will now restrict the former president from speaking about special counsel Jack Smith, the court, its staff, and potential witnesses. Today, a judge put on a gag order. I'll be the only politician in history that runs with a gag order where I'm not allowed to criticize people. Can you imagine this? Do you believe this? I'm not allowed to criticize people. So we'll see. We'll appeal it, and we'll see. But it's it's so un, so unconstitutional. What they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. We got chaos the last two weeks, and we need a Speaker of the House, especially now. Do you agree, and what do you think happens? Well, I agree 100%. I, I still don't understand why McCarthy was, was fired up, because he was probably the most conservative speaker in my lifetime, and I even include my great friend Newt Gingrich. I mean, they, uh, 30% cuts, money to enforce the border, and now look what we have. Uh, we're not going to get that now. And so, yes, I support Jim Jordan. Everyone should get behind Jim Jordan. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken just announced Joe Biden is going to Israel. On Wednesday... President Biden will visit Israel. He's coming here at a critical moment for Israel, for the region, and for the world. Is Biden going to try to talk Bibi Netanyahu out of mounting a major ground operation, or will he give Israel his full support behind it? Don't forget last week, President Biden said that the U.S. was standing fully behind Israel, and then on 60 Minutes he said, well... I don't think it would be a good idea for Israel to reoccupy Gaza. Governor Hochul will leave for Israel from Washington. Israel's military has updated the number of hostages now to 199, which is more than previously known. And the State Department says nearly 1,000 U.S. citizens and their immediately family members uh, have escaped Israel on charter flights.
Tika, Toy Soldiers, as we start this Tuesday edition of New York's favorite talk show and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in the country. We are sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Terrific open once again put together by my guy Justin Ellick. Terrific open from Trump in Iowa yesterday to Levin with me yesterday talking about today's vote on the Speaker of the House. Nancy Mace will join us live in the 9 o'clock hour to the Biden to Israel trip tomorrow to the Governor Kathy Hochul going to Israel today. But I do want to warn people, and this is uh, this is for real. If you're watching television this morning, uh, any one of uh, these channels, Fox News, CNN, or even if you go to the New York Post, Online this morning, the first story you're going to see is probably going to ruin your whole day, because it has for me. And that is that one of the 199 hostages that these animals, Hamas, the bad Palestinians, of course. We always want to make sure we, there's good Palestinians and bad, shut up. These animals, Hamas... One of their 199 hostages is a 21-year-old young lady named Mia Shern. Not that it matters. She happens to be beautiful. I mean beautiful. Doesn't matter. But she's now becoming the face of the hostages. There's a picture of Mia dancing at the music festival where they kidnapped her from. White skirt, tan, happy, smiling, dancing. And then when you go to the New York Post online version this morning, or again, if you're watching Fox News or CNN, they're going to show you not the whole video, but at the very least, her in the video. It does not look like the same girl. Beautiful, don't get me wrong, but her eyes... Tell a horrifying story. Now, her arm was basically blown off. So in the video, you're going to see her laying there and her arm twisted in the wrong direction, mind you. But a big white cast. And in the video, where there's no question, you can tell these animals are telling her what to say. She says, nice things. Oh, They're treating me nicely. They're taking care of my injury. They've been good to me. But please, please get me out of here as soon as possible. Please get me out of here. But again, 
saying nice things and all the right things about these people because they are telling her what to say. So I'm warning you right now, if you've got a heart, if you don't care, you don't care. You know, if you're this uh, professor from Cornell who for some reason still has a job today, this animal, if you're some professor at Columbia who still has a job today, if you're one of the thousands of low lives that amassed in Times Square on Friday, you don't care. But if you've got a heart and you're human, you don't want to see this. You don't want to see it. Now, she's not doing anything bad in the video. They're not doing anything bad to her in the video. She's basically sitting there and laying there, injured, begging and pleading to get out. But I don't know. I can't help but think what's happened to this girl in the two weeks leading up to this video. Because all I hear every day are stories of rape. She's not dead, so they didn't kill her, but stories of rape and all these horrifying scenarios, which she clearly is a part of one. Her name is Mia Shern, and they want my whole audience, and it's a big one, the huge audience, to pray for Mia's safe return today, as well as the other 199. Something tells me, you know, they took a bunch of old people, and old people need medicine. Almost every old person I know takes medicine for something. Something tells me these Hamas people didn't stop to get these old people's medicine. They also took a ton of babies. And unless they've got a couple of Palestinian moms in there, something tells me they're not taking the time to change the baby's diapers or feed these babies the formula they need to survive. You don't think about that, right? Oh, they got hostages. These people need help. And there's no way in a million years Hamas is changing diapers, feeding formula, providing medication. They've got these people in a tunnel somewhere, in a hole, basically, unless they're in a hospital in Gaza like Mia, just waiting to die. Just waiting to die. And they're making the call. They're telling the Israelis and the Americans what they want. I mean, I think you would agree, Lou, that, and I see you're all choked up here. I'm sorry, but I did want to warn the audience because it's everywhere this morning. It's the first time I've seen, and I've seen videos of, yesterday I saw the videos of the Hamas in the backyard firing shots into houses in Israel, but I really haven't seen any of the videos. This is by choice of dead people, or I did unfortunately come across one where there were charred people in a car. But I purposely stayed away from that stuff because I'm not into the whole morbid curiosity thing. I know what they've done. I know they've killed and dismembered and raped and burned, and I don't need to see it. But this one this morning, you can't help but see it. It's a cover of the New York Post, and it's on every television channel this morning. And, again, if you have just a little bit of heart, a little bit of heart, it rips it right out of you. Is that fair to say, Louis? You, uh, you don't really want to watch this. No. Um, I saw it an hour ago, but then I went in after you started talking about the video and uh, you, the images you see. I mean, she looks, she's alive. She's alive. She looks okay. semi-okay. She's a pretty girl, so yes. she looks okay, but she's pale as a ghost, no, she's, and her eyes tell a horrifying story. She's been through an ordeal you don't want to even right. imagine. 
Right. And, uh, and her arm. arm. You see what her arm looks like? Yeah, I see what. No. And it's obvious, of course, designed to stop attacks and to show, like, we've got all of these well, we've got well, all of these hostages. they've got the hostages but they're humane the, the whole yeah, idea yeah. is look we're humane we're not the animals all that right, Israeli yeah. propaganda is making us out to be you know again I go back to the interviews they did at this Times Square rally on Friday where time after time after time Lawrence Jones out there these people said it didn't happen that is all Israeli and American propaganda and this is what Hamas is trying to convince you when they show you the video of a young girl seemingly being taken care of. But they didn't show you the video of what happened to her last night when no one was around at 3 o'clock in the morning. They didn't show you that, did they? Well, you're not going to be able to convince Dove Hyken, actually. No, he actually cried on the air when he called in yesterday. He started off crying, and that was a a very, very tough conversation. Uh, Noam Layden, what is the uh, latest? I think I saw this morning over 1,300 dead, but over 3,000 Israelis Injured, and give me the Israeli numbers first. Call me uh, insensitive or a prick. I don't want to hear about the Palestinian numbers till way after Israel. I'm worried about one country right now, Israel, not the Palestinians. So give me the Israeli numbers, please. Yeah, you have them right. So it's about 1,300 Israelis dead. They think that number might go up just a bit. Uh, a few thousand still in the hospital nursing all kinds of injuries, some of them critical. 3,000. I heard the number was 3,000. Yeah, That's a huge number. The pendulum keeps going back and forth. It's not really clear, but it's it's over 2,000. That's for sure. Jeez. You know, the um, the attacks two weeks ago, we've heard this time and time again. Not about land, right? Not about any of that. It was just, we want all the Jews and Israelis dead. And just in case, and Noam, you'll appreciate this, and so will you, Lewis. And just in case you thought it just started that way, that these are really bad Arabs, But in the past 40 or 50 or 60 years, the Arabs weren't like this. (laughs) Just in case you're that stupid, uninformed, and ignorant to think this is new, this Hamas. I'm going to play you a video of a lady you may have heard of. Her name. Her name is Golda Meir. Golda Meir was the fourth prime minister in the history of Israel. And, of course, the first female to be elected to that lofty position in the Middle East. Golda Meir, folks, who's a legend, and deservedly so, hasn't been in power since 1974. If my math is good, that's about 50 years. Next year will be 50. She took over the prime minister role in 1969, and it ended almost 50 years ago in 1974. And again, if you think this is new, and these are just crazy Arabs. Take a listen to what Golda Meir said 50 years ago. This is cut number eight, Lewis. Golda Meir. This is something that must be realized by people in the world. And unless they realize that, uh, there is no understanding of the entire situation. This, their quarrel with the Arabs is not a quarrel for a piece of land. It's not for territory. It's not for anything concrete. They just refuse to believe that we have the right to exist at all. 
They just refuse to believe we have the right to exist at all. She stopped short of saying they want us all dead. But haven't we said that a hundred times this week, 50 years later? Not about the land. None of it. They just want to execute Jews. No one that was 50 years ago when Golda Meir said that. Nothing's changed. So all these years, the Bill Ritters of the world and all you geniuses who want a two-state solution, what about these poor two million Palestinians? Marco Rubio, not Marco Rubio, Ron DeSantis yesterday, we got to get them water, we got to get them food. Fine, fine. Not every Palestinian is bad. I, I get that, okay? But the truth is, since day one, these Arabs hate us. And a lot of these Palestinians who don't kill us, they hate us too. Because, folks, here's the bottom line. When little Palestinian kids go to school, innocent little Palestinian kids are innocent, I get it. When they go to school, do you know what the curriculum includes? Killing Jews. Don't tell me that they're just peace-loving, good people, a lot of them. Their little kids are taught to kill the Jews. That's 100% true. Is that not known? Definitely there has been evidence that, yes, they're taught that in <laughs> yeah. schools. Not, yeah. No, no, the answer is yes. Not <laughs> there's been evidence. They are taught that in school. Even the innocents. I don't believe that in Israel they're teaching our kids to kill the Palestinians. No, that's definitely not happening. So whether they're out there and they publicly are in favor of Hamas or not, even the innocents are taught at a very early age that the Jews are the devil. These are facts. Do they deserve to die? I'm not saying they do. But no one seemed to care when they killed our kids and beheaded babies. And No one's talking about our 300,000, but I say our Israeli. I am an American, I get that, but I take pride in Israel. 300,000 men and women that are about to go into Gaza, and a lot of those folks are going to die. Listen. Let me tell you something. When Bibi Netanyahu says we're going to win, they're going to win. Oh, they're going to win. But it's going to be immensely costly. They're Vietnam, but worse. Because just about every tunnel is booby-trapped. They've got gunmen everywhere. They've got bombs everywhere. Israel, they will win, but they are going to suffer, I promise you this, colossal losses. Colossal. Right now, there are kids just a little older than Gabriel, who you all love, as you should, that are about to go into probably die. And we didn't start this. It was a Saturday morning. It was a Jewish holiday. It was Shabbat. And these animals came and did what they did. So you got to excuse me, just excuse me, for not coming on the air with this overwhelming sense of sympathy for the Palestinians. I'm sick of it. But here's what I don't want, and I think both you, Noam, and Lou would agree. Palestinians need a place to go, and Egypt already said no. I don't think Jordan wants them. I don't think Saudi Arabia wants them. So guess who said, eh, they can come here? You got one guess. Go ahead, Noam, take a guess. Uh, Florida. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesse Waters on Fox News last night. And I hope Curtis is listening. This is going to scare the hell out of anybody. Millions of Palestinians are fleeing Gaza, and America is being told, make room. You'd think countries like, you know, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, would open their arms and give sanctuary to their Arabic brothers and sisters. Nope. These countries want nothing to do with the Palestinians. So the American left sees that, raises their hand and says, we'll take them. Not only will we take them, we'll pay for their flights here and then pay for them to settle into your neighborhood. Why don't these Arab neighbors want the Palestinians? And what do they know that we don't? For one, a majority of Palestinians in Gaza support Hamas. So Fire Marshal Jamal sees violent radicals looking for a place to live and thinks, my district's perfect. New York is always looking for more terrorist sympathizers who vote Democrat. But Fire Marshal Jamal wants to vet them so we don't accidentally fly in Hamas. Joe Biden, who says he has no idea what his son does for a living, isn't the kind of guy I want vetting refugees from the Gaza Strip. America is the land of immigrants, but the United States welcomes immigrants who assimilate. And there are a lot of Jewish people here in New York. Why does Fire Marshal Jamal want to bring Palestinians to New York? We have enough problems. Let's not import a million people who cheered the 9-11 attacks into New York. Democrats want to deprogram Trump supporters, but now want to let in refugees who've been programmed to kill Jews since kindergarten. If you vote for Trump, you're in a cult and don't believe in democracy. But if you elect Hamas and are obsessed with spilling Jewish blood... You're just an innocent civilian who needs a free one-way ticket to Manhattan. I think I want to have sex with Jesse Waters. I really do. The list is uh, getting shorter. I know. That <laughs> was great. Some of us are pushed off, and he's back on the yeah. top. All right. You know great. who was on Jesse Waters last night? Elizabeth Pipko. Oh, that's good. She ended up going on, yes, and she was live in studio with us yesterday. Okay, big, big show coming your way today. Again, folks. Mia Shern, say a prayer for this young lady and all 199 hostages. Joanne Ariola is going to stop by. There may be some good news. Floyd Bennett Field out by me, although Curtis says, uh-uh. Then Curtis will join us, a great one as he does every weekday morning. We'll go live to Jerusalem at 740. Speak to JNS.org's Alex Treman. Mother-daughter combination. The mom is running for city council. The daughter, Miss New York. Diane and Rachel DeStasio live in studio. Former Israeli hostage negotiator Aaron Cohen. He's been everywhere. He's a great guest. He'll be here at 840. My friend Nancy Mace, the vote today for Jim Jordan, a new House speaker. She'll join us live at 910, and we wrap it up at 930 with Nicole Maliotakis. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Four hours. Put your seatbelt on, folks. You ain't going anywhere. Four hours with Sid, and we're off and running on a Tuesday. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
The story is simple. While they were planning their murderous attack against our people, we were praying for a peaceful year. They are kidnapping our babies and children into the Gaza Strip. We are giving them medical aid in Israeli hospitals. They are executing their Palestinians, gays and lesbians in the city square. We are protesting for democracy and human rights. As they celebrate our death, we are celebrating love, peace and nature. They want to eliminate Jews and Christians. We won't let them win. Take a stand against evil. Stand with Israel. birthday today for somebody with seals and croft as we're back here at 634 new york on your tuesday morning the musical genius on this show eddie murphy once called stevie wonder a musical genius but lou Rafino is my musical genius so whose birthday is it with seals and croft on this tuesday morning lewis uh and stevie taught me a lot of what i know <laughs> yeah, i'm sure he did <laughs> let's sing it together lou uh half of this these two guys seals and crofts uh, Jim Seals. Jim Seals. But he's dead. <laughs> he is dead. Yeah. But died. today's his birthday or his heavenly yeah, it birthday? His uh, birthday. Okay, because I do love these two guys. Love them. Yeah, they always sounded good. Yeah. <laughs> How old uh, would he have been today, this he poor bastard? He died last year, so 81. Oh? Uh, 81. 81, okay. Good job out of you. Thank you. Joe Biden on his way to Israel tomorrow. And uh, the governor, Kathy Hochul. You know, I. Hadley Zeldin on the show yesterday, and I think the mayor has done a good job here, Eric Adams, in terms of his Israel support. Of course, Curtis will disagree, but that's fine. But um, I think he's sincere. I, I just, and maybe it's me. I'll admit it. Maybe I'm just too partisan. But I, I just, I can't stand Hochul. Like, it doesn't matter if she actually donated a kidney to an Israeli child today. I would still think she's a piece of shizzle. I legitimately can't stand her. I despise her. And the only person I probably like less than her is Biden. So when I hear these two reprobates are heading to Israel, I just want to throw up all over myself. I really do. Kathy Hochul and Joe Biden? 
I'm just picturing the story. If she actually went, went to a hospital yeah. and she went on the gurney yeah. and she was do- donating a kidney yeah. and the child is next to, they have the two beds yeah, that's and right. you can see the post pictures. Mm-hmm. Hokel gives kidney. Yeah. To the, no way in a million years. Never going to happen. But then, like, <laughs> yeah. you. Okay, so they got this uh, image up on uh, MSNBC. <laughs> and you know it's phony. Well, clearly it was a, a hypothetical and one that's never going to happen. No, but. Just... <laughs> you know, I'm going to talk to uh, Joanne Ariola next. And Joanne, the city council person for my neighborhood, we had our differences, but we patched things up about a month ago. And she has been great. Anytime she has any news, she calls me, which is surreal to me because who am I? I'm just a dopey radio host. Yes, I've got a tremendous amount of power and all that. I get it. But she calls me. She really does. And I'm always humbled by it. So she called me uh, yesterday with news. And it sounded good to me. Of course, Curtis poo-pooed it. You know, there was a big win for Curtis and those rebels, my friends on Staten Island, congratulations to Curtis and John Tobacco and Scott Lebedo and all those folks. And Lou Gellarmino, my good friend, the attorney, who'll join us tomorrow, and Mark, they won at St. John's Villa Academy. They are bussing these illegals out of there. See ya. Bye-bye. So that's a big win for Curtis and the crew. And we're working towards, hopefully, a win at Floyd Bennett Field, too. So I'll uh, talk to Joe, Joanne Ariola coming up next. But before I get to her and Frank Morano's clip of the day, I want to play this because it's my it's been my favorite piece of audio for weeks. It just has been. Because where is Black Lives Matter? You remember I can't breathe and all these grotesque NBA players wearing their I can't breathe shirts and you remember all that nonsense, George Floyd? And BLM wanted your sympathy and your money, and you gave them both, morons, your sympathy and money. Now they live in big mansions in California, and they couldn't give a rat's ass if a 100 black people died in Chicago today. Neither could Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton should be brought up on charges. He's such a phony and a fake. He's a disgusting human being. Disgusting. You're all friends with him, too. I know you are. All you rich people, you're up Al Sharpton's ass checking for polyps. He's grotesque. All these people are. So it took a former New York Knickerbocker, a former basketball player, a black Jew, to call these mother eppers out. And that's former Nick All-Star Amari Stoudemire. I played it before, but if you missed it, this is better than Viagra. Amari Stoudemire, cut number 12. I woke up, man, this morning with some disturbing news out of Israel. The Hamas kidnapping children, putting them in cages. Killing women, killing the elderly, that's some coward That's cowardly. And for all y'all Black Lives Matter who ain't saying nothing, well, let me figure out exactly what happened before I say anything. you. Figure out what? It ain't never been cool to kidnap kids and put them in cages. It ain't never been cool to kill women and, and elderly. Never been. No matter where you from, what you represent, what tribe you for, it don't matter. There ain't never been no cool, there ain't never been none that nobody supported. And then you go and hide and put the kids in front of you as a barricade. That's some coward <laughs> All you politicians who always have something to say on the contrary, I see you. <laughs> you. All you Black Lives Matter people who always have something to say and always supported everything else and you quiet now, <laughs> you too. 
Only place in the world where I can go and study tour and eat kosher food. Only place in the world. Some coward dog. And all y'all supported. you. Oh my mama. We don't we don't respect none of y'all for that. Peace. So my favorite Knicks used to be Patrick Ewing, Bernard King, Michael Ray Richardson, even Carmelo. Not anymore. I'm too young to appreciate Walt and Willis. I was too. My favorite Nick is now Omari Stoudemire because he said, and I quote, the Black Lives Matter, F you. Joe Nolan and traffic coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is my boy, Frank Morano the host of The Other Side of Midnight, terrific show, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday. And here Frank talks about, we'll go to number two, here Frank talks about my friend Donald J. Trump. The Democrats and others were looking to make Russia the bad guy in the Trump-Russiagate campaign allegations of 2016, and they were trying to basically frame Russia for colluding with Trump wrongly. Is that the basic premise of it? That is correct. That was the reason I wrote that book. Yeah, I wrote it in 2017, and that's when Russiagate, it was shortly after the whole Russiagate allegations were being made, and of course may continue to this day. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Fill the world's best built boilers on the ice. The Rangers and Devils both in action last night. The Rangers squeaked by the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 2-1 to in their home opener at the Garden. Chris Kreider opened up the scoring in the first before Vincent Trocek got his stick on an Artemi Panarin wrister for the eventual game winner in the third. The Rangers win for the second time in three games this season. As they'll get set now to host the Nashville Predators coming up next this Thursday night. As for the Devils, they did their best to overcome a four-goal third-period deficit last night at home against the Florida Panthers, but come up just short, ultimately falling by a score of 4-3. to Three, three third-period goals for the Devs. They moved to 1-1-1 one, one, and one overall for the young season before getting ready to face off with the Islanders next on Long Island come Friday night. On the gridiron, the Cowboys and Chargers were in L.A. for Monday Night Football to wrap up Week 6 action. Dallas pulled out the 20-17 win on the road to move their record to 4-2 and two on the year, while the Chargers fall to 2-3 and three with the loss finally to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs. So the NLCS got underway last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia, opening with a 5-3 to three Phillies win. The Phillies will take the 1-0 series lead into Game 2, set for tonight at 8.07 p.m. As for the ALCS between the Rangers and Astros, the Rangers have jumped out to a commanding two-game to none. Series lead in Game 2 yesterday. They have yet to lose this postseason. They win the first two in Houston, uh, including last night's 5-4 to victory. Game 3 of that series. We'll have to wait until Wednesday as the action gets set now to shift over to Arlington Sports. Sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com PavilionTankless.com. Fun to deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
is happy again. Suki plays with Leo. Sasha plays with Brit. Adolf builds a bonfire. Enrico plays with it. Games without Frontier. Peter Gabriel, believe it or not, was in the same band as Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and others. Genesis went on to have a great solo career. Games without Frontiers. Got a huge guest list about to come your way. Joanne Ariola momentarily. Curtis Sliwa. Alex Treman live from Israel. Some of my buddies, including Noam, are starting to doubt whether the Israelis will even go into Gaza. Starting to look like with Joe Biden visiting Israel tomorrow and the United States really trying to convince Israel to back off a bit that maybe these 300,000-plus troops amassed and ready to go will not go in. I hope they're wrong. I don't want to see Israeli soldiers dying, and they will suffer colossal losses. But to annihilate Hamas, we need to do it from the air, the sea, and the land. Easy for me to say Gabriel's not going in. I get it, but... We'll see if Noam is right. Alex Trayman live from Jerusalem coming up at 740. The mother-daughter combination of Diane and Rachel DeStasio. Diane's running for New York Council. And her daughter, Rachel, I think was Miss New York. They'll be live in studio coming up at uh, 810. Former Israeli hostage negotiator. Special teams op. And he's everywhere on television. Aaron Cohn coming up at 840. Nancy Mace will be here at 910. The vote for Jim Jordan today. And Nicole Maliotakis coming up at 9.30. But uh, Joanne Ariola is my councilwoman, and she's been great with me. I mean, anytime she's got any news on what may or may not happen with Floyd Bennett Field, she picks up the phone and calls me. I don't deserve that. I don't. But she does it, and I appreciate it. So here she is, New York City councilwoman in my neighborhood, Joanne Ariola. Joanne, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. I'm great. How are you? I'm well. So you called me yesterday. Thank you for that. Thank you for coming on today. And uh, seemingly with good news, I am going to push back just a little later during the conversation and give you the opportunity to uh, tell me I'm wrong. But first, give me the good news that you called me about yesterday. So I always like to give you the update. I promised you that a while ago. And, and thank so you. we had a new update. You're welcome. Um, so as you know, just a little background for our listeners, Democratic Assembly member Jamie Williams from Brooklyn and I, alongside a long list of other elected officials and local residents, filed an order to show cause for an injunction to stop the migrant shelter from opening at Floyd Bennett Field. We filed in Supreme Court in Richmond County, and the order was assigned to a judge. Corp counsel and Kathy Hochul's lawyers submitted their response to that order, stating that since the lawsuit was regarding federal issues, it should be determined that the case be heard in federal court. Now, just prior to that, um, the AG declined to litigate this case for Kathy Hochul, and Kathy Hochul opened up our purse strings and spent even more taxpayer dollars to retain an expensive private law firm, Salendi, Gay, and Eisberg, who, according to some reports, get between $800,000 per hour to move that order to federal court. It was so moved, but on Friday, October 13th, federal judge Brian Cogan ruled that the case was not within federal jurisdiction. That was huge. 
huge because we knew that our order was written correctly. It was put into the correct venue and the federal government and the judge agreed with that. So not only did the judge send the order to show cause back to the state, but he remanded it back to the state. And we were really gratified because we knew that the state and the city were only doing this as a delay tactic because they knew they would lose in the state. Well, that sounds uh, very promising to me. And, and you feel right now, Joanne, that based upon these latest developments, you are confident that uh, you're going to win this. Yes? I believe we're going to get our vacate order, yes. Okay, uh, which is great. And uh, great job up to this point. Thank you again for calling me and coming on this morning. I, I did read something, though. Uh, initially, I had heard 2,500 able-bodied men were coming. Then I heard as many as 7,500 single able-bodied men were coming and now i thought i saw something where uh, we were willing to dangle 500 women and children who never come by the way ever but 500 women and children instead of the numbers of men is that bargain out there is that deal out there well it's not a bargain it's not a deal it's an absolute shift in what the city was uh using as their scope and plan for the population over at Floyd bennett field I read that in the New York Post, like everybody else. I called up to the mayor's office, and their answer to me was, well, we're in flux. No, you're not in flux. Putting families there is in direct violation of the city's current right to shelter consent decree. And this this particular right to shelter consent decree that we have now prohibits families from being housed in congregate barrack-like settings, whether there's there's partitions with locks or not, without personal bathrooms and kitchens. So this, if there were a worse idea than putting migrant single men there, it would be a worse idea to put children there. Where are they going to school? They're already in school. They're going to be uprooted from the school that they're in and put into an isolated place that floods on a daily basis over in Floyd Bennett Field. It just really shows me that the administration has absolutely no idea what to do with this entire situation, and they're just spitting out different and contradictory things every other day. I mean, just last week, the mayor was saying that our families were safe and weren't going to be subject to the 60- or 30-day vacate, and now all of a sudden they've been vacated. This is just a mess. You know, I really haven't heard you uh, be this critical about the mayor. I've heard you uh, go after Kathy Hochul, including at a rally. We were at together with Curtis in Brooklyn not that long ago, but you didn't seem to go after the mayor all that hard. And uh, this morning you are. What uh, What's changed there specifically with Mayor Eric Adams? Well, when things are changing without any type of, of um, communication with elected officials, prior to, and things are being read in the paper or said on the radio, and you're you're kind of looking at it saying, wait, what? And then when you call and you get an answer like, it's in flux. No, my job is to represent my constituents. I've said that all along. And if, if, if I have to call out the mayor, I'm going to call out the mayor. If I have to call out Kathy Hochul and Biden, and I have been, I do. I'm actually going back to, to Congress to speak on Nicole Malliotakis' bill, so that, that, that we won't have to, once this passes her bill, God willing, we won't ever have to go through this again. But there should never be families in congregate living. I had no advance notice of this, and I honestly, you know, called over to the mayor's office yesterday 
and let them know exactly how I felt about this. And if we have to add this to our order to show cause, this will be added when we file. Good this job. Is just, it's unconscionable that they would do this. Good good job, Joanne Ariola, my councilwoman, coming up big here. I'm loving this. By the way, Nicole Maliotakis, her bill, she will join me coming up at uh, 930 this morning. So Curtis is coming on next, of course, and he's uh, beating his chest this morning, and he should. Lou Gellarmino and Mark, those attorneys on Staten Island, the Rebels led by Curtis Sliwa, that group, Johnny Tobacco, Scott Lebedo, they really did a great job. They did. And uh, St. John's Villa Academy vacating. There's another uh, school not too far from there vacating. In fact, Joanne, Vicky Palladino, our uh, mutual friend, yep. place in, uh, in Queens, vacating. There's been seven there's now been seven different spots where these illegals have been forced to vacate because it's not safe. And you just made the point about women and children at Floyd Bennett Field, how it's a flood zone and it's not safe. Well, if it's not safe for women and children, it's not safe for men either. So the precedence exactly. has been set. Seven different spots, seven now being vacated. That says to me, Floyd Bennett Field should be an easy win. And that, that just brings up another point because those those locations were vacated because the fire department found violations there and they were unlivable for any safely unlivable for people to live in those locations. I'll tell you that in conversations with the fire department and all of the emergency services um, departments other than uh, NYPD, they have not been to Floyd Bennett Field for any type of of, of look-see to check, to check any of the, the uh, fire hydrants, to do any type of drills. The fire department has not been included at all at Floyd Bennett Field. So what's going to happen? You're going to spend all this money to, to put these tents up and then have the fire department come in once again and say, this is not a safe situation. We could never save the, the people who are here. We could never evacuate them. Or if, God forbid, there's a fire, we could never get them out and move them out again. There has to be a better plan. These plans are not working. Joanne Ariola, New York City Councilwoman, my neighborhood out there in Rockaway, Queens, Howard Beach, the whole thing. Well, again, thank you for uh, for calling me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on this morning. I think you're doing a terrific job. I really do. People in Brooklyn and Queens, you got them both now, that bridge separating Brooklyn and Queens. They appreciate your hard work, and we'll talk again very, very soon. Joanne, great job. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, Sid. Take, Take care. You too. That's uh, our councilwoman, Joanne Ariola, and it seems like they're doing a good job here, Lou. Now, of course, Curtis is going to come on and crap all over it because that's what Curtis does. That's what I'm just That's thinking. all he does, you know. But, but listen, he's got seven wins under his belt, so he can afford to be cocky and, and yell and scream because he's 7-0. and oh. Right now, he's the Sandy Kopacks of the illegals, and I've known that from day one. That's why I've defended Curtis Sliwa. Everywhere, from this office to outside this office to public officials, I've defended Curtis Sliwa everywhere. But, but, despite what he says coming up in a couple of minutes, it does seem like Joanne Ariola and that crew are going to get a win here. It seems that way. Anyway. Oh, yes. But don't forget <laughs> about the other statement that this one had. Don't forget. Right, they'll have something. They'll have something. On that yeah. From day one, we've been on Well, we will start our number two with uh, Curtis, of course, as we do every weekday morning because he is great. In fact, we've got a big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way. Curtis live in studio. Then we go back to Jerusalem. 
There are sirens going off as we speak. Gaza taking a beating from the Israelis today. But the question is, all those troops amassed and ready to go, with Hochul going to Israel today and Biden tomorrow, will they go? We will talk to JNS.org's Alex Trayman, live from Jerusalem, coming up at 7.40. Our number two of the Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, about to come your way. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Rebel yell. This goes out to the Rebels, Curtis Sliwa, Scott Lebedo, Johnny Tobacco, the attorneys, Lou and Mark on Staten Island. Before I get to Curtis, I want to make a formal complaint to uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis. And that is, when I'm here in the morning, and I don't care what you do the rest of the day, when I'm here in the morning, I really don't want MSNBC on these televisions. And I understand I'm doing a show in a different room, but... I can't help my left eye from catching the three TVs on in the newsroom, and they're all liberal channels, CNN, MSNBC, and New York One. I effing hate these people. I don't dislike Joe and Mika. I hate them. Mike Barnacle, too, who was a dear friend of mine for 20 years, used to get me Red Sox tickets. These are the people that are helping to destroy our country. I don't want to see it. And for some reason, when I tell my guys you to shut it off, well, we can't. What, what, what are you, a communist? We can't shut it off. We have no remotes. You have no. Shut the damn TV off. I don't want to see Richard Haas talking about Donald Trump. I think he's going to give a kidney to somebody though any day. I don't so, care. Okay, I don't no. care. Listen, I don't no. care what he does. I hate these people. <laughs> so, Noam, uh, shut the damn TV off. Just take your finger, stick it in some hole. <laughs> On the bottom of the television and shut it off. 
I don't want to see Palestinian outrage. I don't want to see Chris Christie, fat, stupid Chris Christie, taking shots at Donald Trump's foreign policy when nobody died around the world, fatso, nobody, and everybody's dying everywhere today. I don't want to see it. So either shut the TV off or put on cartoons. I don't care. <laughs> cartoons are every bit as smart as this stupid show. I don't want to see it. Put on Go Go Gadget. Okay, That's Go Go Gadget. It is. Just shut it off. I, you know, I actually have no. I can pull the plug. That's the only thing I think I can, can do. Pull the plug. Okay. Otherwise, I don't have a remote. That's I can't it. change the channel. We don't have the power. Yeah. To do it. There's actually somebody who does have the power. <laughs> yeah. I kid you not, but I'm not going to out who that is. Yeah. Just find out who it is and, <laughs> okay. and, and unplug it. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, my next guest again. Congratulations to the rebels and uh, all the hard work he's done is paying off. Seven vacated migrant shelters. Big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Big ratings overnights as well. As well as doing a great job with me every morning. The icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel himself. I'm very proud of him. Curtis Sleewa. Curtis, congrats. Well, first off, let me thank you, Sid, because by you letting me be here every morning in the prime slice of your show where most people listen, it is in that 7, 8 o'clock hour. I'm able to use this station of John and Margot Katsimatidis to inform people what's going on. Because unlike our national security agency, CIA, and Israelis, uh, Shimbet and Mossad, I use intelligence from boots on the ground by having rats who eat the Parmesan cheese down at City Hall give me information so that I can warn communities in advance, like Paul Revere, like I've been doing for months, and you've allowed me to do that, and... I want to be perfectly honest with everybody out there. I've been on the edge many times where Sid said, no, I'm going to have him on each and every day until he's proven wrong. You basically said, if he's proven wrong, he can go get a job hanging wallpaper. <laughs> I'm not sure I said that. But yeah, but it's been high noon every time. I went from 95% to 98% that Curtis Lee was been right during this whole illegals mess. Because I have human intelligence, not tapping in phone conversations, using, you know, Elon Musk satellite imagery. No, no, old school, human intelligence. So the victory yesterday at St. John's Villa Academy, which I told you is the epicenter of the battle on Staten Island, is a combination effort. The politicians do what they have to do. The lawyers, you'll be talking to them, did what they had to do going to court. But without a rebel factor... You spin your wheels. If you had to depend on the politicians, forget about it. Because the moment they get a chance to sell you out and make a, a backroom deal, they're going to do it. Because they they don't have the chutzpah to be out there morning, noon, and night. You saw we organized grandmothers and mothers from St. Johnsville Academy last night. I went over to Midland Beach. That's where they took all the senior citizens out, the war veterans from the Second World War, the Korean War. And there were... 50 people out there. They're out there every night. They're blasting music. They're shining lights on the facility. If you happen to be an illegal alien, you're telling your, your keepers there, get me back to Manhattan where I get three squares a day to be at the Milford Plaza and I can be running up and down the streets in a motorbike and a moped and a, um, and a Vespa. So we make life miserable without harming the migrants, without harming them. But we make that life miserable. You need all three factors. So I was listening to what Joanne Ariola said. She's part of the political class. 
along with, she mentioned, Assemblywoman Jamie Williams, the Democrat from Brooklyn. Fine. They've gone to court. Fine. But I don't trust any of that without a rebel factor. So I'm sending the SOS up to the number one rebels in all of New York City, and they're right there in the Irish Riviera in Breezy Point, the Sullivan family, first in war, first in peace. These are men who put boots on the ground all the time, and I'm putting out that call to Mike and Tom and all their friends to say we got to find out what Eric Adams was talking about yesterday as he tried to save face. With seven migrant centers being shut down, with coordinated efforts that I've been working with in all different parts of the city, she even said, Ariola said, City Hall says they're in flux. They don't know what to do because Swagger Man has no plan. What well, have I she said was, everywhere? She was critical of the mayor this right. morning. Swagger Man has no plan. He's going to go into neighborhoods with the least resistance. If you were the mayor and you didn't have a plan, you said, well, look, Curtis is up there in Riverdale now. We never thought, you know, the liberal progressives would be organizing against us in Manhattan College. you got to do these things or they're going to shove these illegal aliens into your community. And then it's the, quite the royal rumble. So we got to get the rebels together. They're planning on putting in 500 women and children. They never do. It's all, oh, we're bringing in the women and the children. It's always single, able-bodied men of military age with nothing to do, nowhere to go, who could at this point be agents of Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Fatah, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. I told you the countries they're coming from in the sub-Saharan, North Africa, Mauritania, Mali. They're coming in from Chad. They're coming in from Sudan. All of them have active Al-Qaeda, ISIS units. And what's to say they're not taking advantage? You know, if you were a terror leader, think like the enemy. Wouldn't you be sending your people as quickly as possible to Mexico City and then up towards the border, walking through, and the next thing they are is right at the Milford Plaza looking down at Times Square saying, I can't believe this. Now all we have to do is bomba, 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 bomba. And who's that? Who's responsible for this? Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Again, jo- Joanne Ariola said, City Hall is in flux. They don't know what they're doing, Sid. Now your friend... Next time he has a conversation with you, it's probably going to be artificially intelligence generated. (laughs) He's talking about robocalls to pass himself off as being multilingual. His answer to everything is drones, a robot, AI, artificial intelligence. This is like toys for him with our tax dollars. We need cops. We need police officers. We only have 32,000 cops. We need 40,000. And this guy is putzing around with drones, Robbie Robot at Times Square that somebody's going to push into the tracks. And now (laughs) artificial intelligence calls. You know why he needs artificial intelligence? Because he's stupid. I mean, let's face it. The guy isn't isn't bright. It's not bright at all. You don't take on Curtis Lewa and the rebels because we are relentless. And you could see in the eyes of the police officers, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be opposite to people. They know what Eric Adams is doing is wrong by shoving illegal aliens into neighborhoods. And now under the specter of terrorists coming in and clearing the board for a third time, third time's a chump. You don't think they want to get us again in New York City? Yeah, damn right they do. Wake up. What have I said to you? Just a thought. Yes. I don't know this to be true. Trust me, I don't. That the real guy to blame, of course, is Biden. Of this course. is all right. And that Eric Adams agrees with you. But he really has had his hands tied behind his back. There's nothing he can do. 
uh, from the president to the governor to all these Democrat policymakers. And while he's out there saying all the right things, that the truth is, is that he doesn't disagree with you. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Is that a possibility based upon the fact that he was a Republican not that long ago? So he's sitting down there, hands tied behind his back. He's a hostage, right? Maybe he should do a hostage video with artificial intelligence. Help me. I have no, I, I lost my coolions. I lost my huevos. I can't do anything in Albany. I can't do anything in Washington. I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. I kissed all their tuchuses. My lips are sealed to their backsides, and they give me nothing but surus, right? He's part of the problem, said. He double-dealt us every step of the way. He called Abbott a racist. Then he called him a madman. And what did Abbott do a month ago? Said, oh, I'm a madman. I'll double the number coming in from 400 to 800 a day. 800 a day are still pouring in. Some of them, you know, damn well are terrorists. Why wouldn't you take advantage of the fact that you got an easy pass across our border in Texas, and then you come into New York City, no vetting, nothing, and then we put you up in a hotel? Well, guess what? If Manhattan wants to become the epicenter of housing terrorists without rallies, without protests, without organizing, so be it. I live in Manhattan, but the outer boroughs are fighting. And now, special information, which I related to Congressman Peter King, who's relating it to Bruce Blakeman, and I'm having going to have a lunch with Al DeMond, who's been a longtime enemy to get over this. They're busing them in under the cover of darkness in charter buses unmarked into Roslyn and Manhattan and Port Washington. Not and Manhattan, surround- you, mean, you mean Manhasset. Manhasset, correct. Yeah, the fancy neighborhoods in Nassau County. Surrounding where you're going to be in Great Neck. That's right. I'll be uh, having dinner tonight with my friend Bill O'Reilly, planning our big New York state of mind show at the Paramount Theater in Huntington next Friday. We've got an early dinner, 545 in Great Neck, me and Bill, but but all those uh, fancy neighborhoods in Nassau County. Now, I could have sworn it was not that long ago that good men, these are good men, said to me it wasn't going to happen in Nassau County. No, what no, happened? They what happened? Gonna, look, look, under the cover of darkness, uncharted buses, unmarked, dropping them off at Long Island Railroad stations. Well, who's doing that? Because I remember under the cover of darkness, Way back when, Rob Astorino and Miranda Devine were reporting that specifically the president was chartering flights to go to uh, the airport in Newburgh, to go to the airport in Westchester, too, and uh, coming in flights in the middle of the night. Who's chartering these uh, these trips? Those buses that picked them up at the airport then went the wrong way down the Hutchinson Parkway. Woo, 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 woo. And you know what their next stop was? 103rd Street in Corona underneath the number 7 train. And then the illegal aliens scattered from the buses. And remember, Eric Adams said, what are you talking about? That's not happening here. I wouldn't know what's going on in my city. Eric, you can't know what's going on in your city when you're at the club up in the Bronx, con sofrito to the break of dawn, and looking at all the shorties, or you decide, hey, I need more money from white people, so let me go back to the Club Zero Bond, where whatever happens there stays there. You can't know what's going on when you are the mayor of nightlife in the city of New York. There's a difference between you and me, Eric, and City Hall is listening. I got my boots on the ground. I'm in the subways, the streets. I have human intelligence. I know everything going on in City Hall because there are rats amongst you who are doing a good thing, who are giving intel because they live in these neighborhoods, and they say the only person who's going to take this information 
broadcast it and then organize the people. The rebel factor is Curtis Lewa. So, Joe and Ariola, I compliment you for telling the world that City Hall is in flux, that they don't know what the hell they're doing with this illegal alien situation, proving that Eric Adams is the swagger man with no plan. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. And I give up forever to touch you. Cause I know that you feel me so. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be And I don't want to go home right now And all I could taste is this moment And all I can breathe is your life And sooner or later it's over I just don't want to See, it's starting already. The Goo Goo Dolls, one of my favorite bands. I uh, almost said ISIS. Iris. Almost said ISIS. Iris. Starting already. CNN doing a story right now. Palestinians stranded in the West Bank. Who gives a rat's ass? My God, they're still collecting body parts of Israelis, you dumb bastards. Palestinians stranded. You see, it's starting. Well... See? Justin and I were just talking, but what is the delay? The delay is what's going to hurt. Oh, it's killing us That's every second. Hurt. I know. Every time, in other words, it almost should have been immediate. Of course. And then it, of course. It, and then it looks like, oh, they're at war. But I will they're say this. War. But it, and to your point, Lewis, now, of course, uh, as I started the show with 90 minutes ago, I would, um, if I didn't have to watch TV today, which I have to because I'm a hostage myself. I'm in a studio with CNN and MSNBC. I'm a hostage. I've asked you bastards ten times to shut it off, and I'm watching General David Petraeus talking to Joe Scarborough. I'd almost rather be a hostage. Shut the damn thing off. I'm not going to ask you again. If I ask you again, it's going to be a very ugly last two hours of the show. I may even walk out. Who are you talking to? All of you guys, (laughs) shut the effing TV off. I don't want to see Joe and Mika this morning. I don't want to see stories about Palestinians stranded in the West Bank while the the, the Jaka group is still putting body parts together. I don't want to see it. Okay, I don't have the remote. Just take your finger and shut the damn thing off. Yeah, but the buttons to the TVs aren't even out here. They're like in the rack room. Pull the plug. Uh, uh, Pull the plug out of the wall. Okay, I um I don't even think that's out here. Right, that's okay. like in the wall. Okay, the TV. That's fine. That must be a I mean, plug from the. Bottom. Just pull the plug out. I don't want to see it. I really don't want to see it. It's it's 
You guys know that since this thing started last Saturday, none of this has been drama for me. None of this has been exaggerated. You know how I felt, and I don't want to see people this morning with this nonsense. Chris Christie killing Trump over foreign policy. How many Israelis died when Trump was president? Fatso. I don't want to see it. But no one cares. No one is sitting there with his headphones on and hitting his mouse and not paying attention. And the two of you guys are doing nothing, so. Okay. I'm talking okay. to the wall. It's talking to the goddamn wall. I have no way of turning it off. I try. Yeah. Okay, well, somebody text John or Chad or somebody and say, listen, you want Sid to keep getting the best ratings in New York City? Then he needs to shut off MSNBC and CNN. All you right. can't watch it. Or you're going too fast. If you want. Put on <laughs> uh, uh, fat uh, Kelly Clarkson or something. I don't care. Or <laughs> whatever. Not I don't fat even anymore. care. Did you see her? No, she's. I know she's she lost a lot of weight. Yeah. She's not skinny. Calm down. Skinny. MSNBC. Not exactly Karen Carpenter, yeah. but no, she, no. she lost a lot of weight, yeah. MSNBC's got a story about her coming up next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't make a joke about this, Lewis. I'm not. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. I'm, I wasn't I'm tired of complaining about the same thing over and over. I don't want to see it. There is nothing about, uh, you know, hate watching that does it for me. Nothing. Not, not now. Not now. It's one thing you want to pick on politicians. Okay, fine. But uh, my people are still dead in the street, and I don't want to watch this stuff because they don't care. And, and already these stories are coming out about the Palestinians. I just don't care. I don't care. Okay? Rally outside my studios right now. Get all you lowlifes who are in Times Square, all you Harvard students, all you Columbia snot-nosed, you know, spoiled bastards. Stand outside my studios right now. Go for it. Go ahead. Take signs. Do the whole thing. Ask my sponsors to quit. Pete Morgan ain't going to quit. Dr. T ain't going to quit. None of my folks will. They're loyal to me and the Jews. So go ahead and do it. Tough guys. Go ahead. They wouldn't even know where the area is on a map. They would know. Times Square is like 10 blocks away from here. No, I mean, they wouldn't know the area that they're protesting. Oh, I know. That's what no, I'm talking Do you about. think, though, they could figure out how to turn off these TVs? Because um, I would welcome them in. They, they yes, but they would have to watch themselves on MSNBC. Where is uh, Doug? Where's Doug? Doug, is he here? He, he can do that. Doug. Doug, the, the kid Doug who works with Stephanie yeah, and Gina. I know you're talking about. He'll, he'll know how to do it. The three of us can't do what it. What about, uh, what's her name, uh, Sophia Perez? No? no. The only no. person I've ever seen uh, control the remote for the televisions is Dan Herschel. Dan. And, and That's Dan Herschel? He's the only yeah. one that has the remote. Well, then text Dan. He did. Uh, you're not really supposed to reach out to Dan when he's not, like, here. It's Who made this rule now? There's just big signs everywhere. Well, there is. That's, yeah. Hey, don't bother Dan if he's not visible by the human eye. It says, here's my number. Do not call me. If this is, <laughs> that's the strangest thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get a blanket. Well, listen to me. One of you bastards is going to text Dan right now. I don't care what the sign says. Okay. This is sitting friends in the morning. We own this city. We get higher ratings than everybody by a mile. Okay. <laughs> but if he's not here in person, he can't get to the remote. Well, get him and here. Not, and can- get him here. He lives three blocks. I know where he lives. He's like three blocks away. He's probably at Essa Bagel right now across the street. Get his ass in here. I think Essa Bagel has one of the remotes, too. I could <laughs> go over there. God, I hate you. <laughs> Come on. Well, get it off. We I'll tell you what I'm going to do because you're all joking around. You think I'm? Uh, this is one big joke. Uh, when I walk in tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock, if Emma, and I swear to God on this, I swear to you, if MSNBC is on the television, I'm getting right back in the car with Gino Levi and going home. Okay. That's it. I'm drawing the line right now. This is war. I'm serious. Israel's at war. 
and I'm not going to deal with this. I don't want to see John Kirby. I don't want to see Joe Biden. I don't want to see any of these bastards that made life easy for Iran so they can do what the hell they want to do. You understand me? That's excellent. You make an excellent point, and it's the right point. I don't want to see Mika. I don't want to see Joe. I don't want to see these assholes on CNN. I don't want to see any of them. I don't want to see the leprechaun Pat Kiernan on New York One <laughs> or the racist Errol Lewis or the, 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 the racist Al Scumbag Sharpton. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them. That's a long list. Okay, what's... I'm writing it down. You know what Fox News is doing right now? They're hammering the squad because the squad wants a ceasefire. That's good television. They are hammering AOC and Talib and Omar and these America-hating lowlives. That's what I want to see. They're not worried about the Palestinians at the border who are stuck. They're not doing that stuff. They're not putting fat Chris Christie on. They're not doing that stuff. So all I'm asking, and it's not a lot to ask, I'm not asking for a million dollars today. I want every TV on Fox News. And that's it. All right? Okay, we heard you. Team, did you hear me? I heard you. We heard you. I'll All go, right. I'll go out. I'm going to count to one. I have like a... in a huddle, we're going to scream break, okay? Three, and what's gonna happen, two, man? one, break. 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 Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. There's gotta be a record of you someplace. You gotta be on somebody's books. The lowdown picture of your face. Your injured looks. The sacred and profane Pleasure and the pain Somewhere your fingerprints remain concrete And it's your face I'm looking for On every street Nice tune, Lou Rufino. Good job here. 747 on your Tuesday morning. I'm surrounded by winners. I really am. Curtis Sleeva, 7-0, and vacating illegals out of spots around the boroughs. And after my passion-fueled, I'm a segment, last segment, Justin Ellick is changing the stations in the newsroom as we speak. Where did he, wow, wow, he's got the remote. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, and when Sid is pissed, Justin gets it done. So, thank you, Justin. I'm not sure what he's putting on, but there's no CNN, there's no MSNBC, none of it. Guaranteed, there's going to be some replay of the Eagles game, so the Eagles-Jets game Sunday. That's, That's fine. Uh, that, you can That's, put that on. I'd rather watch that no than fun. Mike Barnacle any day of the week. He's going to be into the... Uh, 1,400 channels <laughs> yeah, and yeah. finding it. See if you can find JNS.org. Those guys do tremendous work like this guy, who's now joining Sid and Friends in the Morning for the seventh consecutive morning. Seven consecutive mornings. A brave and courageous journalist brought to my attention by Noam Layden. Thank you, Noam. And that is Alex Trayman, once again, live in Jerusalem. Alex, good morning, pal, or good afternoon where you are. How are you? Uh, doing well, Sid. 
Sid. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you back. I know it's almost uh, 3 p.m. in Israel and here in the United States, at least on Fox News, they've been reporting that there's been rocket fire in central Israel. I'm not exactly sure what cities and towns, but central Israel all day. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, Gaza is on the southwestern border of Israel on the coast, and most Israelis live up the coast uh, from Ashkelon towards Tel Aviv and beyond to Netanya. And so when they're talking about central Israel, they're talking about the Tel Aviv municipal uh, area. And so rockets have been fired at uh, at Tel Aviv and, and the surrounding areas uh, so far this morning, as well as uh, Beersheba, which is Israel's third largest city, uh, which is further south. Wow. And are those from Hamas or Hezbollah? Well, these are from Hamas. Uh, we're also yesterday, uh, there was missiles fired towards Jerusalem, even right here uh, at the JNS offices. The sirens went off, and even before we could get even into the shelters, there were explosions of rockets overhead. Uh, the Iron Dome literally just intercepted rockets right over our building, uh, and there was a one that, that hit. Uh, short of Jerusalem on the outskirts, created a, a very large explosion. These are coming from Hamas. There are also uh, anti-tank guided missiles being fired uh, near the border uh, from from Hezbollah and southern Lebanon. So so both fronts are, are kind of heating up as we speak. And now Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, where you are, Jerusalem, that area which really had not been hit, it was the south and the north. Now you guys are even in jeopardy. Is that, is that true? I mean, it, it seems like they're going after every big civilian neighborhood in the country. Well, they're, they have tens of thousands of rockets, and they've probably fired about 10,000 rockets so far. Well, the uh, actual number I saw this morning, Alex, and again, I, I don't know if these are accurate, but here in the United States, they are uh, claiming and reporting that Hamas has now fired 6,500 rockets. Right. Seems like a low number, right? I mean, in in one week to fire to fire that that many thousands of rockets at Israeli population centers, that's not that's not a small number of rockets. Even though the Iron Dome can shoot, uh, let's say ninety to ninety five percent of them out out of the sky, which is incredible uh, that that we're able to do that. Uh, if ten percent of those rockets get through, you're, that, you're talking about six hundred fifty rockets that get through the air defenses uh, and are you know, fortunately, it's been it's been less than that, but but there have been many many strikes, uh, direct strikes on, on buildings and and other uh, and other areas where where civilians are in, inside cities and and people have been injured, uh, people have been killed from the rockets. Each one of these rockets could kill many people uh, if it hits the right place at the right time. Um, so it's it's no small number, and the fact that we shoot them out of the sky doesn't uh, take away the fact that they're shooting them. Alex Trayman, once again, JNS.org, live in Jerusalem this morning on Sid and Friends for a seventh consecutive day. So I started my show, Alex, almost two hours ago by warning New Yorkers, and actually folks listen to me all over the country, be careful when you're watching TV or when you buy the New York Post because right on the cover is a beautiful 21-year-old young lady, and you know who she is. Her last name is Shem, and... um. This is just heartbreaking. She is one of the hostages. She was taken at the musical festival. It looks as though she had uh, her arm blown off. And this is the first real hostage video that we've seen here in the United States. And, 
clearly, clearly you can see in her eyes she's been through horrific days. And she's saying all the things the terrorists want her to say, which is they're treating me nicely, they're taking care of my wound. But then she goes, please get me out of here as soon as possible. Now, I saw her mother, and her mother is upset and livid that there's no information, as many of these hostages' families are. So uh, this one, uh, Hamas tries to come off as humane. We know it's not true, but this may be the first of many and folks are wondering, Alex, what is going on with these hostages? Well, this is definitely the psychological warfare game that Hamas is playing. If they had just wanted to murder Jews, they could have done it on the Israeli side of the border. But they specifically wanted to take as many hostages as possible, A, to tear at the heartstrings of Israelis, to, to play this psychological game uh, with the people of Israel, and to use them as leverage against uh reprisals by the IDF, and also potentially to use them as collateral to get the 6,000 uh, prisoners that Israel has in its prisons uh, you know, out of jail. I keep seeing new numbers every day, too. I remember we started this, maybe there were 50 hostages, maybe 100. I heard 199 yesterday. Now, today, Hamas is reporting they've got over 250. Oh, these are uh, the numbers seem to, to, to climb every day. Yeah, the IDF has reported that they have contacted the families of 199 hostages, uh, but saying that that's, there could be more, and, and Hamas is sort of confirming that that's the case. And I think that people understand now that there are probably over 200 hostages. But the question is, you know, like you said, how many of them are, are dead? How many of them are still alive? Uh, what condition are they in, and where are they being held? Uh, Israel certainly using all of its intelligence-gathering capacity to, to find out to try to figure it out and piece it together. But, you know, we're not getting reports here, not from the Israeli side nor from Hamas, on, on exactly where they are. And even that video that we saw from um, of Mia Shem, there, were, there are reports that the, some of that footage is maybe at least six days old. Right, she may be dead. You know, it, uh, she's young, but, I mean, they took uh, elderly people. You know this, Alex, elderly people take medicine, whether it's diabetes, heart medicine, they can't go a day without it. And I doubt that Hamas made sure when they collected these people to get their medicine. They've got little babies in there. They need diapers changed. They need their formula. They can't survive without formula. So the idea that these people are stuffed somewhere in a tunnel, literally on top of each other, and they're going to survive even without rocket fire, seems ludicrous when you consider, I doubt Hamas is tending to these folks. Is that a fair assumption? These are barbarians. They, they're literally burning Jews to a crisp, you know, they, killing babies in front of their parents, killing parents in front of their kids. So why would we assume that they're treating the the hostages humanely? But the, the irony of that is that the, the international community led by the United States is putting tremendous pressure on Israel uh, to – Ensure humanitarian aid is getting into Gaza, uh, you know, we're, where you really never heard a situation in which the one of the attacking sides in a war is being asked to the, arrange the humanitarian aid for the other side. And really, Israel should be saying, look, we're not opposed to humanitarian aid. Release the hostages and we, and we will make sure that humanitarian yep. aid gets to the Gazan civilians.
You just said that, and I have to tell you, right before you came on, I had a segment where I was, uh, I lost some control because I, I made my guys here shut off these TVs. You've got TVs, big TVs outside the studio, Alex. They've got CNN on. CNN was just doing a story about stranded Palestinians. Like, I give a rat's ass. And MSNBC was talking about humanitarian aid. And we talked about this a couple of days ago, that how long was it going to take for the American media and American politicians led by Biden to start to really, really sympathize with the Palestinians and forget about the atrocities of the Israelis. Well, guess what, Alex? It's already here. They're already doing it, and it makes me nauseous. I hope it makes you guys angry. Biden is coming to, to your country tomorrow, Joe Biden. His uh, first speech, I thought, was feckless. He supported Israel. That's easy. Never mentioned Iran. Never, never had a tough word outside of don't. And then on 60 Minutes on Sunday night, to basically ask you guys not to go into Gaza, restrain, hold back. I hope the Israeli people are angry. My, my fear is they're kind of like New Yorkers. They're Democrats and liberals. They should be furious with this American president. Yeah, there's a big feeling that Biden is coming here tomorrow. That First of all, that his team really demanded that he be invited to come uh, and that the purpose of his coming is to hold back the Israeli military for, from going in because Hezbollah has threatened that if Israel puts boots on the ground in Gaza, that they are going to enter the war in a major way, uh, that Iran has also been threatening repeatedly, uh, that if the Israeli quote-unquote aggression doesn't stop, that they will enter the war into a big way. Uh, and it seems as though uh, the United States is intent on trying to keep Israel from fighting back against the enemies that threaten its very survival uh, and want them to have a very limited campaign in Gaza. And so in order to in order to have that kind of leverage, they've sent over U.S. aircraft carriers and and they've sent the secretary of state here. They sent the secretary of defense here and now they're sending the president here so that they can have they can say and show to the world that they're supporting Israel and standing behind Israel at the same time behind closed doors. They're telling the Israelis not to go ahead. Correct. So, so, uh, so, the ground so you're a very smart guy, very smart, Alex, and you realize this. Does the uh, Israeli people realize this, that, that my government here in America doesn't care? I mean, I remember even during the Gulf War when they actually told the Israelis, take the Scud missiles. Don't do anything about it. And now we're talking <laughs> decades ago. It just seems like our country outside of Trump is okay with Israel getting beat up, and it's not okay. And and it does beg the question, why have these boots on the ground, these Israeli troops, nearly 300,000 in total, why are they still there and not going in? Is it because of Biden? Because if it is, I'm going to be furtherly pissed. I definitely think that's one of the factors. It's not the only factor. Uh, you know, for the first several days, the idea was making sure that the logistics were in place, making sure that the 360,000 uh, troops were all stationed where they were supposed to be, making sure that they all have uh, the weapons and uh, and also the protective gear that they need and also are uh, intensively reviewing battle plans because, you know, Gaza, it's not – it's not a small town. It's it's a big city. It's an urban environment, uh, and it's going to be a highly booby-trapped environment. And so you want to make sure that the, you give time to the intelligence capabilities uh, to gather as much information on where you're going to strike as possible, uh, and that you have the greatest the greatest possibilities for 
uh, maximum success in the campaign and limiting your own casualties. Because if if there will be significant amounts of Israeli casualties, uh, which is certainly Hamas's second biggest goal, uh, that would also uh, really tear at the heartstrings of, of the Israelis. And again, this is these are all part of the psychological games. A, take hostages. B, make sure that the that the humanitarian crisis is uh, is elevated to the top of the diplomatic and media attention. And C, that if Israeli soldiers do go on the ground to try to kill as many as possible, even if Israel has the stronger military and can win the war. God forbid if Israel loses, uh, you know, soldiers in the fighting, you know, that will become a major storyline inside of Israel as well. Final 60 seconds. And again, incredible job reporting, Alex. Be safe. And hopefully we'll do this again tomorrow. Well, again, the atrocity, the atrocity started a couple Saturdays ago on that Shabbat holiday morning. And we know what happened then. But all this rocket fire, I think you said a couple of people died yesterday. So uh, people, people, I guess, are still dying in Israel. It wasn't like they came in that Saturday morning. They killed all those people. They wounded all those people. There are still people dying even today from all this rocket fire, yes? Well, there's no doubt. As long as the rockets are fired, that is a significant threat to the lives of Israelis. It's, it's honestly a miracle, uh, aside from the technological miracle of the Iron Dome, but even the other ones that have struck, it, it's really a miracle that not more people have died. You know, you mentioned the Iraq war and the Scud missiles. You know, Scud missile lands in uh, Saudi Arabia or, or in Kuwait, and you see, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of people killed by a single one. Uh, and in Israel, 39 missiles hit the country and one person died of a heart attack during the attacks. Uh, and I think it's it's truly miraculous that, that more Israelis have not been killed by these inc- incredibly deadly uh, Qassam rockets that are being fired nonstop. God's on our side, Alex. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? We are the chosen people. Uh, and, and I think really that, that goes into play here because it doesn't make any uh, logical sense that more people are not dying. But on a serious note, I want you to be safe and uh, continue doing what you're doing. You become a hugely important voice. I got a buddy named Tom Sullivan who ran for office twice in Queens. He's a wonderful guy. He served in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait. And he can't wait for you to come on every morning, and he's one of many. So thank you very, very much, and be safe. We'll do it again tomorrow. Okay, pal? Thanks so much, Sid. You got it, buddy. Alex Trayman, live in Jerusalem as we wrap up hour number two. Still a lot more to go. we got a couple of great guests stopping by in the 9 o'clock hour. It's vote day for Jim Jordan. Nancy Mace will be here. Nicole Maliotakis will be here as well. We're going to talk to a real tough guy, special ops guy, hostage negotiator from Israel, Aaron Cohen. And coming up next, making their debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning, the mother-daughter combination of Diane and Rachel Distasio. Diane is running for New York Council. That's coming up next month. Her daughter, Rachel, recently missed New York. The Distasio ladies are coming up in studio next on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC. 
lot of girls be thinking my songs are about them. This is not to get confused. This one's for you. Baby, you my everything. You all I ever wanted. We could do it real big. Bigger than you ever done it. You be up on everything. All right, clearly this is a suggestion by the guest. I don't play a lot of Drake on this show, though I like him. He's Jewish. But we've got a um, a special mother-daughter combination in studio. We've done a lot with the uh, Israeli war this hour, last hour with Alex Trayman. A uh, great job by both Joanne Ariola, my councilwoman in Queens. She joined us at 645. It looks like we may be able to stop this illegal deal at Floyd Benefield. We'll see. And, of course, uh, Curtis Saliwa. But I keep telling everybody, as big as a Trump guy as I am, and he's been on twice in three months and – I was in contact with Trump's people yesterday about him coming back to talk about Israel. I love Trump. But um, I readily admit that the elections coming up here in New York in November are more important to you folks here than the actual presidential election in 2024. Yet, 150 million people will vote for Trump and Biden, and 30 people will show up to vote for Trump. I just don't get it. You just don't show up, whether it's mayor or district attorney or council people, and then you complain when you get a bitch like Justin Brannan in Bay Ridge. And I don't want to hear your complaints. So get up, and whether it's Ari Kagan or my friend Ina Vernikoff, she likes guns, or my next guest, <laughs> Diana, you need to get up uh, that November morning and go vote for city council. We need to get these Democrats out of city council. And Gail Brewer is one of the worst. In fact, every Manhattan politician is about as bad as it gets. From the borough president, this putz, is it Levine or Levin? I don't even know. I think it's Levine. He's the worst. And Brewer is is not much better. So uh, Diane is uh, running, Diane D'Estacio. And I met Diane for a couple of minutes uh, at the Columbus Day Parade. I was outside talking to John and Margot and Vivalo, and you happened to be standing there handing out flyers. And I noticed last week on Fox News, you were on, I guess it was Brian Kilmeade or somebody, that whatever you campaign, you bring your daughter, Rochelle, who was like a Miss New York lovely girl, you bring her with you. So you're kind of like a one-two punch. Is that right? Yeah, a good knockout punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys work well together, so that's good. Yeah, we're a good team. Yes, and we're very supportive of one another. And you raised her as a single parent, right? I did, yes. Yeah. And you had some amazing jobs along the way. I mean, I'm going through your bio, and uh, at one point you actually worked with Ray Charles. Yes, I did, on a national Diet Pepsi commercial that aired Super Bowl Sunday in 1991 when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem. And it was a very special game because my dad... Was a, he's retired now, but a captain for United and Bill Parcells was superstitious. So he always used the same pilot to fly the team. And so my dad flew the, the New York Giants wow. to that game. Uh, he flew a couple other teams, but that was always a very special relationship with he and Parcells. And I told you that I'm um, a diehard Giant fan and very close. Lawrence Taylor was just on the show last week. Bill Sims is on all the time. I worked the Giants pregame show for WFN Radio here in New York for four years. And it just so happens that game in 1991 in Tampa, I was there. Uh, my dad and me and his two friends, we spent the night before in uh, Disney World and Pleasure uh, Treasure Island. And then we drove that following morning 
from Orlando to Tampa to go to the game. We were season ticket holders uh, you know, until a couple of years ago. And it was the Gulf War. And we got there about seven hours in advance. We're like, this is going to be easy. But they had metal detectors for the first time ever at a Super Bowl. And it took us literally five hours to get into the stadium. And I remember walking in, and there was a giant player. His name was Steve Diasi. He was a linebacker. And he was alone on the field, just wearing his football pants, a T-shirt, no shoes. And back then we had something called camcorders. <laughs> and he was filming the empty <laughs> seats. And I was like the only person sitting there. There was a whoopee cushion and an American flag. And then Whitney Houston came out and sang the national anthem. We all cried. And, of course, Scott Norwood missed a kick at the end of the game. And the Giants won. And your friend Bill Parcells won his second Super Bowl. And then he quit. He left. And the Giants put in some guy named Ray Hanley, who was about as good at his job as Gail Brewer is at hers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the whole story. Um, so how was it campaigning with, with your mom? And now, what was, uh, did you, were you Miss New York? Or what was, what was that all about? I am the current Miss New York USA title holder. Well, how do you get that? So, I'm curious. I, well, you have to compete in the state pageant. So every state has a national pageant that goes on. And I competed against 185 girls. Wow. And it was my third time competing and I won. And so I just recently competed at Miss USA in Reno, Nevada. And so I've only been the current title holder for about two and a half months now. So I have the rest of the year up until next August. I haven't seen a beauty pageant in a long time, maybe since Trump, actually, to be honest. Um, and, and back early when I used to watch them, it was mostly about physical, what mm-hmm. the girl looked like. And I was told, at least over the years, mm-hmm. that they kind of shifted from that to more of a, um, I guess, uh, how smart the girl is mm-hmm. rather than how she looks in a bikini. Is, is that how the competition is these days? Well, they separate the competition in three different parts. So it's interview and then it's swim and then it's gown. So there's... They have a scoring system. So obviously they want someone that can speak very well and who's articulate and it has a great platform. And then you also base it off of the top five question as well. We get asked could be anything political or anything based off what you do. So you just never really know. So it's you have to be very well spoken. Oh, congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. Good job. And you are very well spoken. So you are uh, the two of you set off on this effort to win uh, city council coming up next month. I know what Gail Brewer does wrong, just about everything. Diane, if you win, what will you do right? Well, the first thing that I will do is, uh, because the the main frustration of the constituents in District 6 and all of New York City is they're frustrated. They don't feel like their voices are being heard. They're not being listened to. Give me the exact neighborhood district. So I'm Upper West Side of Manhattan, which is... 54th Street, all the way up to 96. Oh, I missed you. It's, I it's missed you Hudson, Hudson I just River. Moved, I just moved from 103rd and West End. We spent five years there to uh, Rockaway Beach. Wow. And I hated that community. Like, And by the way, they, <laughs> they hated me because I didn't wear my mask during COVID. They had pictures of me up in my lobby. But that was a community run by Jerry Nadler. Yes. Uh, Rosie, yes. O- a fat Rosie, her fat brother, Danny, I think, uh, is a, is a politician mm-hmm. up there. So I just missed you. But where you are, that's bad enough. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So what people don't understand, I think more people would come out and vote if they understood what city council is responsible for. They manage the budget, how the money's spent. They're supposed to be providing oversight for city agencies. So it's really, you know, and I have very good managerial skills in my professional, my profession and my job. It's about managing the budget, 
It's about knowing how to allocate, where to allocate the funds, and really about listening, sitting down and listening to the constituents. They're very frustrated because they hear a lot of talk, but nothing's getting done. Uh, even simple things that affect everyday community, like e-bikes. A lot of people have been hit by e-bikes. A woman was killed this last year on the Upper West Side by an e-bike. Um, people don't know that Class 1, 2, and 3 e-bikes can go up to 25 miles miles an hour. They don't have to be licensed. They don't have to be registered. So they can hit a car, cause thousands of dollars of damage or human being bodily damage and they take off. And so the NYPD and uh, have no way of really tracking them. So I would definitely put cameras in at intersections. I would make sure there was a law passed that e-bikes have to be licensed and registered so you can locate That's them. Fair. No, That's just right. a simple Right. A simple right. common sense solution yeah, no. for something that's affecting people every day. That is a huge problem. It uh, is. And it's all part of the biggest problem, which uh, is crime. Do you guys live on the Upper West Side? Is that where you live? Yes, yes. You live the together crime. still, right? Okay. So no. you can't walk. We, we, we don't live we together don't. anymore. Oh, you don't live together anymore? Right. No. Okay. No. So where are you, uh, Rochelle? I also live on the Upper West Side. Upper West Side. So, for example, I lived on 103rd in West End, which is relatively nice. I have Riverside Park to my left. I'm a few blocks from Central Park. But if I walk one block to Broadway, and I don't care if you're on 103rd or Broadway, 96th and Broadway, it is gross. It's There's homeless, there are criminals, mm-hmm. it smells, it's dirty, it's gross, okay? And uh, you have a lot of dem- uh, Democrat politicians up there that are completely okay with cashless bail and all that nonsense right. that has ruined our city and ruined our country. I would imagine you're not, of course, right? No. Um, I would definitely repeal and replace the disastrous bail reform law uh, that my opponent, Gail Brewer, supports. Of course she does. Um, He's a communist and a socialist and gross. So I would go. (laughs) 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 Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) It's my issue. I'll work on that. (laughs) I would go back to enforcing broken windows, go back to persecuting carjackings and petty theft uh, with the same vigor as felony assault. Uh, conditions, I, I believe conditions on Rikers Island, um, have continued to improve as we saw during the council's common sense caucus recent inspection tour. But, um, you know, these elected officials want to close Rikers like my opponent, Gail Brewer, and stupid. replace it with a brand new Manhattan based jail facility. Unbelievably stupid. Which is not even, no. I mean, where's the common sense in that? There is none. Right. It will cost more money and expose our local communities to even greater risk. Correct. Yes. So, so these are all uh, very important points, and clearly you're on the, the right side of uh Yes. Of now, have you ever run for office before, or is this your first time? This is my first time. First time. Okay. Yes. Now, what, now Rochelle, do you have any uh, designs once you're uh, busy, uh, done uh, winning contests all over the world? Do you beauty? have any designs on uh, running for, for office one day, politics, something like that? Absolutely not. None? Okay. <laughs> I, to be honest, I'm not involved really politically. I stand very neutral. I'm very supportive of my mom and her campaign, but right. I like to advocate that I have my own voice and oh my, my God. own opinion, no, my you're, own you're thoughts like on daughter. things. I swear to God, <laughs> I'm having visions now of Sydney and Ava. As I'm talking to Diane and Rochelle, she says, this, I have my own opinions, Dad. I love you. You're great. She even called me talented a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to fall off my chair. But she uh, she said, I've got my own opinions. And when she says that, mm-hmm. that's my daughter's nice way of saying I disagree with you when I tend to veer towards the left. 
So clearly, you're uh, you're a Democrat. And your mother's a Republican, <laughs> but you still love each other. No, no, I I don't. <laughs> Uh, define myself as either. Actually, I'm very neutral. I'm very independent. Yeah. Um, there's things on either side that I agree and disagree. Well, let me with. ask you this: Do you like Snoop Dogg? Um, I like his music. No not good. all of his music. No good. No good. No good. <laughs> I used to like him too. But then he started writing songs about killing cops. I mean, there's always negative and <laughs> lots of music, but like, like today, it depends for, on how you look at it. Well, and, today, for example, Louis, uh, isn't today Eminem's birthday? It is, yes. Okay, so a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl, like you were a part of, they had uh, the halftime show, which is now all Jay-Z. He does all the halftime shows. Mm-hmm. So Usher, who I happen to love, Usher's a terrific guy, great looking, can dance, can sing. He's about as relevant as, um, I don't know, Reagan. I mean, he's, he's his last hit was like 30 years ago. But he's going to be the halftime show because he's one of Jay-Z's buddies. But a couple of years ago at a halftime show, mm-hmm. and it was Dre and it was Snoop and all these guys and Eminem, and... Um, and Eminem took a knee when they got to the mm-hmm. to the uh, Sauce Bangle Bottom. I mean, does that bother you, or you just you're able to? And if you're able to, you know, separate the two, I'm okay with that because I still enjoy Robert De Niro, Barbara Streisand, I do, mm-hmm. and Bruce Springsteen. So it's okay, but you're able to kind of differentiate be- between the two. Yes, you you can you can like somebody even though you don't agree with them politically. Um. Yes, I agree. I think it just it's all your morals and your values and how you base it off of what you also believe in, too. Um, but, yeah, I think it really just depends on the person. Okay. Uh, just so you know, Jen Harrison, who's a dear friend of mine, she's been through an awful tragedy talking about uh, bail reform. Her boyfriend was murdered, and she runs a group called uh, Victims' Rights New York out of Shirley, Long Island, which is a lovely place, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, she says uh, she is endorsing you. Victims' Rights is endorsing you. So you've got uh, some very good people that care about this city and care about yes. this state behind you. Anybody else reach out to you? But the, the election's like a month away. Um, it is. Um, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, believe it or not. Uh, any of the cops, any yes. of the police unions, my friend Paul DiGiacomo at the DEA. Hey, Paul, uh, endorse uh, Diane. Get behind her here. Uh, maybe the guy that replaced Pat Lynch. I forgot uh, his name. Any of these folks? Um, yes, I actually <laughs> received. <laughs> Trump? <laughs> no. Are you a Trump supporter? Uh, can we go to the next question, please? <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to be. <laughs> See, that's why you like Fox News better. They like DeSantis. You probably like Ron DeSantis, which I like, too. I'm, He's fine. Um, let me, I'm trying to look something up. You have a list here of people that have uh, stepped up for you. Well, what, do you, what do you do now the next couple of weeks leading up to these elections? Besides going on Fox News, coming on with me, what is your what does your days look like? What, you're out there on the streets? Yes, we're out there on the streets. Knocking on doors? Yeah, we can't really knock on doors because you can't really solicit in buildings in New York City. Oh, you can't? Um, no, it's 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 illegal. Can you put pamphlets in the lobby? Um, if you know someone that lives in the building, yeah. and then you can leave things with the doorman, they can leave things well, with the doorman. Well, then go to my building, then- go see Boya, or um, uh, what was his name, Colbert, and leave it in my building. Then they'll hate you. They hate me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we're, we're doing a lot of meet and greets, uh, which is very exciting. Um, we actually have a guest speaker for an event that we're doing, um, one of the chiefs of the FDNY. Oh, that's great. Yes, you know, so it turns out that I screwed you over. You don't even realize that, do you? How did you do that? Ay, ay, ay. Sorry, guys, but 
there was an event, and it was the day after 9-11. And I was exhausted with Shell and Diane. I was exhausted. We're at 9-11. I had a lot, a lot going on. And 9-10, the night before, was a giant cowboy game in the rain that I sat at like an idiot. So long story short, I speak at this temple every now and then in your neighborhood on the Upper West Side. Lovely uh, lady, I think her name is Marsha, and she reaches out to me to speak. So I did it last year, and she invited me back this year on October the 12th. And Thomas Kniff, who ran against that fat, stupid DA Alvin Bragg and lost, even though he's a hero, an American hero, he now represents Daniel Penny, the subway hero. Mm -hmm. He spoke that night, and he just alerted me. He said, the night that you abandoned me, you also abandoned Diane because she spoke that night, and she's terrific. So you were there that night. I was. I was supposed to be there. I guess you don't even know, did you? Yes, I did know. Oh. And you did You did abandon. So are you mad at you me? You did abandon You don't us. seem angry with me even a little. No, I'm not. <laughs> <You see what? laughs> um, I'm remembering her name now, Allison Esposito. Oh, endorsed I love her. me. Yes. Allison Esposito, for folks that don't know, was uh, Lee Zeldin's lieutenant governor, is a really, really proud cop. And I would sooner F with any man on the street than Allison Esposito. Right. She will smash your face into the wall and laugh at, if you're a bad guy, and laugh and walk away. She cool. Yes, retired deputy inspector. Yeah, she's awfully cool. Yeah, I've received her endorsement back in August. There you go. So you got some good people. I do. I have some very good people. And you got me now, so that's the most important one of all. But write it down. Right. No? My name. You're not even going to write it down. I, I don't need to write your name. I know your okay. name. <laughs> I'll remember. Okay. So what's next? So so now you've got, uh, you did New York, you're competing in Miss USA. And uh, then what happens after that? Are you getting like any acting opportunities, modeling opportunities, stuff like that yes. from all this? I mean, I've, I model full time already. And oh, you do? And I recently actually shot for American Horror Story for the new season that just came out. Oh, you out did? Before My wife I actually... and I used to love that show. Yeah. You know what was great on that show was um, Lady Gaga was great on that show. Mm -hmm. I actually am not a fan of horror. I've never seen the show. So when I found really? I got booked on it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. The one thing that I don't watch. I but have you for. done it yet? Have you done any scenes yeah. yet? Yeah, I've already shot for it. I shot actually right before I competed for Miss New York USA. Awesome. So... I was a featured character on the new season, so I had my scenes with Cara Delevingne and Emma Roberts, sure, and sure. so I saw Kim there as well. It was really cool. That is awesome. Um, so I have just, and I recently did a short film last year around like October in LA that I got flown out for. So I have a lot of things and exciting projects coming up that I'm cool. really excited. So you're about. like me, you're waiting for the actors' strike to end. Um, I got two scripts waiting for me too, but I can't do it until the mm -hmm. actors' strike ends. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it's great for you. You got a lot of good stuff going on and. And for you, you've got about uh, three weeks to go. So as we wrap up this great conversation, what uh, besides hitting the streets, what else do you do in the next three weeks to make sure you beat this? Well, I have a wonderful person, Gail Brewer. I have a wonderful event coming up on Monday, October twenty third, with with uh, Assistant FDNY Chief Michael Myers. Sure. So um, people can uh, go to my website, Diane F O R N Y dot com, and they can get information about that. Um, and just being out on the streets, that's been one of my favorite things is talking to the folks out in front of Fairway and Zaybars. Yeah, and all those places just, as well. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, it's been, it's been very yeah. enjoyable. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, biggest thing I have coming up. And then as like, like what you said, just getting out on the streets, we've yeah. got hard mailers going out to about 47,000 active registered voters. 
So that's awesome. It's very okay. exciting. Zabar's, by the way, does a great job uh, for Passover and uh, any other Jewish holiday that uh, I know you're yes. Italian, obviously. But yes. uh, uh, Susan Brown Otto up in Bethel, New York, where my mom is, says Allison Esposito is running for Congress next year. In uh, District 18, I didn't realize that. Yes. Well, listen, uh, best of luck to you. It's uh, great to meet you twice now. And uh, you too, Rochelle. Thank you. Uh, you're both uh, lovely ladies, and I wish you both uh, a lot of luck in your endeavors, especially you, Diane, because we need to get rid of Democrats in yes, the city we do. council. Really we do. badly. Okay, so well, go out there and win. We need people with common sense That's and people right. who really care about the constituents and their communities and cleaning it up. That's right. So you you Make did a, you did a, you did a perfect interview here today outside of your lack of enthusiasm for Trump. I could do without that. Otherwise, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you, Diane and Rochelle Destasio. Folks, go out and vote for Diane, please. I'm begging you. That blouse scale Brewer's got to go. She's got to go. She is a cancer for Manhattan. She's got to go. Diane Destasio. Vote for her in District 6. I'll be right back. And y'all don't even have to ask twice. You can have my heart or we can share it like the last. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Got my dinner tonight with Bill O'Reilly. It's only 11 days away, this huge New York State of Mind event at the Paramount Theater in Huntington, Long Island. 11 days away. That's that's close. And at least as of this moment, and it'll change tonight after dinner, but as of this moment, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. None. So this is a big dinner coming up. We're starting early. It may end late. I don't know. But it's going to be uh, me and Bill. Ask me if... Eight years ago, when I was doing a sports show in Palm Beach, <laughs> talking about the Heat taking on the Knicks, if I'd be having dinner with Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> talking about the subject of our live show on Long Island in front of 2,000 people, ask me what I would have told you then. You know what I would have said? 100% going to happen. Yeah, I would have said back to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> like, you Wait a second. You, you, you know, you, 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 with you, it's like a ping pong back and forth. On one hand, you tell me from the day you met me, which is now 24 years, from the day you met me, you knew that I was destined for stardom. Were and you, then you tell me back to rehab. You were not to, supposed to say that part on the air, oh, the first part. Sorry. But you, you brought it up as if you're the most surprised person in the house. I really am, bro. You are. I am. I'm surprised. All this. This massive success, massive the last couple of months, and uh, the the acting and the you know the O'Reilly and Trump and the mayor and I, I don't, my phone rings all day. It's like one important person after another. It, it makes no sense. No, it, actually it doesn't does make not. any sense at all. If they had seen <laughs> glimpses of some of the lower Manhattan shenanigans that you did. And, of course, I had to be there witnessing. Yeah. No, Sid, we, we got to go. No, no, no. You, you didn't have to be anywhere. You chose to be there because you were drunk. No, no. And I get yelled at or like, you're coming. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. What choice do I have? Even Chad Lopez, who's uh, right outside the door, who had the balls to bring me back, the only man. And, uh, he knows I love him forever because of that. I love him. 
He never could have predicted this. Not in a million years. <laughs> You're going to dinner with yeah, Going Bill to dinner with O'Reilly tonight. <laughs> Trump calls me. Mayor Adams calls me. The police commissioner calls me. I'm in two movies. I mean, he never could have predicted this. Never. Said I'll have a table for the two of us, and we'll be discussing <laughs> what we'll be doing. Yeah, it's happening tonight <laughs> at one of the finest restaurants on Long Island. I mean, I walked in, and Chad uh, thought I'd be impressed meeting Jay Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> Now I, now I tell Donald Trump to hold on. I, 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 Gabe wants me. <laughs> it's hilarious. Now, we got to go because you've got a really important guest coming up. He happens to be, and Chad's a tough guy in all seriousness, and a hero. Chad uh, served this country and served this country very, very proudly. And I mean that. I love him for that. My next guest is actually a special ops hostage negotiator for Israel. And a huge guest this morning. He's been on CNN and Fox News all week. We'll talk to Aaron Cohen. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, early in Los Angeles, not even 6 o'clock in the morning in L.A., but... This guy, Aaron Cohen, I, I love this guy. I've seen him on TV a bunch. He actually does CNN a lot, which is fine. But he's uh, been on with us once before. He's the real deal. Special ops guy, hostage negotiator, Israel guy, and he was terrific with us. And I couldn't wait to bring him back. Like I said, I've seen him on TV a couple of times since. And he joins us very early from Los Angeles this morning, Aaron Cohen. Aaron, welcome back. How are you, pal? Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you. Now, do you live in L.A.? I do. I, uh, uh, I, I'm, I, I grew up here. So, uh, you know, horrible I kinda, place. Uh, sort of, a, yeah, well, yeah. I'm a hybrid between uh, Hollywood and, uh, uh, you know, bouncing from uh, from the scripted world in Hollywood to uh, training law enforcement, which is the meat of my business. Uh, no, they are. There's no question. Uh, a lot of my buddies, uh, you know, I'm good friends with Scott Bayo, uh, the actor, played Chachi on Happy Days. He left L.A. He moved to Florida. And I was there not that long ago to film a movie, about two years ago, and I saw all the deprivation and the tents and all that, and it was horrible. But right now, that's not the discussion. The discussion is Israel. So I wake up this morning, Aaron, and you can appreciate this, and I warn my listening audience, 6 o'clock, almost three hours ago in East Time, I warn my audience, don't buy the New York Post and don't watch the TV, the news shows, because all you're going to see is a picture and or a video of a beautiful 21-year-old girl named Mia Shem, who was grabbed at the music festival, her arm blown off by Hamas. She is now one of their 199, 250, who knows, one of their hostages. And uh, in the video, she's doing exactly what they tell her to do, which is really frustrating and hard to watch. But you can see, Aaron, especially a guy like you, you can see the horror in her eyes, despite acting calm. And watching that, Aaron, I wanted to kill these bastards even more. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, imagine how she feels. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tricky time right now. Um, we need to, well, what we do is when we go into, into work mode or into business mode, you've got to kind of separate the emotion. And, uh, you know, really just stay focused. And that's what Israel is doing right now, staying focused, being creative, I'm trying to figure out a way to extract these hostages. Uh, like I said before, last time we spoke, Israel's really good at this. Uh, 
Uh, you know, Israelis are really smart. Anybody knows Israelis know they're aggressive, they're smart, they're practical. We don't worry about the would be's, could be's, and the maybe's. We're focused, you know, on what's right in front of us. And um, you know, the good news is that uh, as the as this incursion is being prepared, uh, it's buying time. And time is a friend of counterterrorism. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I mean by that is intelligence and information gathering is the main ingredient. We need to know what structure she's in. Uh, it's not just her. You know, we could be talking about over 200 hostages being held, that includes Americans as well, and other third country national or other third country citizens who are being held, uh, who are dragged over that border. So, uh, I'm hearing that uh, U.S. assets like Delta Force or and DevGru, which is the new name for SEAL Team 6, uh, you know, they're all in Israel. And everybody's, you know, coming together and being creative and, and thinking about how to pull this off. I wouldn't be surprised if Israeli, uh, uh, the General Staff Reconnaissance Unit, we spoke about this last time, that's Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's old unit. Um, you know, I worked quickly to put them back on the map uh, uh, to the media. Uh, Israel's got a lot of experience with this. Uh, June 6, 1976. Uh, Black September terrorists with the Beider uh, Meinhof German terrorists kidnapped uh, 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 over 100 Israelis, brought them to Entebbe, Uganda. This unit dressed up as at the time uh, uh, the president of Uganda was, uh, you know, was kind of a nutty leader uh, who who had a weird relationship with Israel. Idi Amin. And and we ended up sending uh, uh, that general staff reconnaissance unit ended up putting together a hostage rescue raid about a week and a half. And, and Bibi's older brother, Yoni, was on that raid. Uh, he was the only Israeli casualty, and Yoni's a national treasure. He's a hero in Israel. Wow. Uh, uh, certainly a hero of mine. But this, but 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 Dressing up as Idi Amin's men. Right. Dressing up as his security details. So they're really good at creating custom hostage rescue uh, missions. Every one of them is custom built. So, you know, that's what Israel's doing right now. You know, and they're rehearsing on sets. You know, they, they want to know where every foot's going to land when you make entry into a room. Uh, they're custom built. It's something out of a movie. Uh, well, we used to do this on operations in my unit before uh, uh, before going in. My unit was uh, was developed from that unit uh, to be able to deal with Hamas inside of uh, the West Bank. So they're really good at this. So you know, I I, I I see what you're saying with this woman. You know, but it's business time right now. No, we I understand. To, uh, there, there there are two things. There's something you said to me. There are two things. First of all, this is different. This is not just hostages because Israel is out to annihilate. And uh, I'm just a lay guy. I'm not a real smart ops guy like you. But I'm not sure how you can annihilate the enemy at the same time, go in and save the hostages at the same time. You'll explain that to me. I'm not sure how that works. But the well, second thing is, so here's, how, yeah. so here's how it works. So we, we, first of all, we are uh, Hamas. We're killing Hamas by the minute. And we just took out six major terrorist leaders. Uh, we just took out the head of one of their major cells. I mean, the gloves are off. Sid. Uh, we don't. Need, I don't need to sell this to your audience. Uh, I don't need to sell. I, I don't need to sell this on CNN. You know, I'll be back up there. I don't have to sell any of this. It sells itself. You know, and you can post all the propaganda you want about Hamas. You know, this and that. Israeli, uh, you know, killing ki- killing Palestinians. But the truth is, is that Israel's helping the Palestinians. Hamas was not uh, uh, legally put into power. It took over Gaza, uh, and they've locked the Palestinians into Gaza. And we, and we, that matters to us. That's the difference between us and the Arab world and Hamas. So uh, uh, el-Sisi, the president of Egypt, locked the back door to uh, Egypt, closed the Rafah crossing, and Hamas has got the keys to the other lock on that same door on the front side. So, you know, we've been trying to get them to the south of Israel. We turned the water back on. 
try and get all the citizens to push to the back um, because we don't want to go in there and kill innocent people. It's not what we do. Now, there is collateral. Listen, if this was the United States, that place would be turned into a lake. For some reason, it's always but with Israel. There's a very weird double standard when it comes to Israel. When it came to the Ukraine, man, everybody was over there. But as soon as the, you know, as soon as the Jews got a problem, all of a sudden, you know, the world starts looking the other way. You see, I'm not and worried about the couple, world. Only a couple of days after. That, I know, so but I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the world, Aaron. I'm worried about my country. Now, I'll, I'll be very transparent with you. I hate Joe Biden. I think he's garbage. I do. He's the president. I should have more respect for that position. I hate him. And uh, his speech when the war started was feckless. So what he supports Israel, what human doesn't? He uh, he offered no solutions, and the toughest word he used was don't. Then he goes on 60 Minutes a couple nights ago here in America and basically asks Israelis to restrain, restrain. And now I really believe that part of the reason why uh, our men, 300,000 of them, are not going in, haven't gone in yet, is because of Joe Biden. So here you've got the president of the United States who's supposed to be the best friend of Israel, and the truth is, if you're going to be honest about this, Aaron, He's been anything but. He seems to be equally as concerned about the people that killed us. I, I, I hear what you're saying about the president. Um, I'm going to stay away from the politics, and I'll tell you why. It's not that I disagree with you. It's just they're not interesting to me. Um, but I, I, I want to go into this direction here. Uh, as far as how Israel destroys Hamas and gets those hostages at the same time, all of those pieces are being coagulated at the same time. There's a monster process of osmosis, and we're diffusing all of that information into one giant pallet so that we can create, here's the key. We, I, like I said, we are killing Hamas. Not only that, we just, we just neutralized dozens of terrorists trying to infiltrate the northern border here. Everyone's saying, what about the northern border? This isn't Israel's first rodeo. We've been attacked by multiple directions at the same time. And I don't think Nasrallah really wants to take the gloves off with Israel. He's got to show strength in the Arab world, but he knows that Israel has shifted into third gear. And we haven't really, really fully even opened up yet our capabilities. However, right now that osmosis process is designed to get us as much intelligence as possible. Gaza isn't completely surrounded. It took us a couple of days to clean up the south of Israel. Israel took some casualties. Not going to get into the numbers, but Israel took some casualties. There were, there's, the Israeli special forces and the special ops units are designed in a way to be able to do what's called which means immediate intervention. So if there's an active shooter, there's units that are strategically positioned throughout Israel based on where their bases are to be able to get to those threats. And it took Israel hours to clear those pockets out. But what they have now is time, a little bit of time. And that intelligence gathering is key. And the reason why is because it's like a cold case murder. The, the longer you wait to figure out where those hostages are, the more time is in between you and the, uh, and the raid or the assault to go get them. They start moving those bodies around. And they have a tunnel network underneath Gaza, the billions of dollars that they've gotten. And all of that and all those cargo ships coming from Turkey and all those other countries that bring in, you know, supplies to, to Gaza for the people of Gaza, goods and services. These are all terrorist supply vessels, and they're going right into those tunnels. We already destroyed uh, those warehouses. They're done. So Israel is focused right now, and they are obliterating Hamas. No, they are, but I'd ask you this. You talk about these tunnels, and again, this is your expertise, Aaron. It's not mine. Uh, But I speak to other people, uh, not as smart as you, (laughs) but they tell me, listen, they would not be surprised if every one of these tunnels – that are holding these hostages, every one of them 
is booby-trapped, making it almost impossible. Now, they're not afraid to die. Don't forget, they will gladly blow themselves up with the hostages because they've got 72 virgins waiting on the other side. So this is what I hear. They're all booby-trapped. How is it possible for Israeli soldiers to enter and get them out if, in fact, they're ready to blow? So Israel said Israel has... Excuse me, special a special operations unit called Yachlom, which means a diamond. And that unit was designed specifically for these tunnels. And that unit is a tier one asset which works with the general staff reconnaissance unit. And I think what's happening right now because of those tunnels. Now I'm talking like New York City subway, G train, L train, uh, quality logistics. Those tunnels are the arteries that pumps. Uh, the, the the weaponry, the missiles, and there was a large missile that was fired. By the way, the VIP of this war, Iron Dome. Can you imagine we didn't have it? Yeah. That yeah. Iron Dome, yep. is it's an angel sent from above, and we just took out a major long-range missile which was fired into Tel Aviv. The reason why is because those operators are incredible. But this Yachlom unit, this special operations unit, you know, think back to Vietnam when you had uh, the Green Berets, <coughs> excuse me, crawling through those tunnels. Experts, specialists. So these tunnels right now, we've had a lot of intelligence about these tunnels for quite some time. We have known where these military targets are for quite some time. We have known where these leaders are for quite some time. By the way, if anyone in uh, if anyone in Khania, uh, if uh, anyone in Esmel Khania's uh, 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 department is listening to this. You know, we know where you are in Qatar. And so we've had that information for a long time. And now, like I said, the gloves are off and the decapitation of Hamas is imminent. It's imminent. It'll be the same thing with Hezbollah if they, take, if they start. The tricky part here is, is being able to create the deception to be able to, 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 to initiate not just one, but multiple hostage rescue raids simultaneously at different locations and be able to do it in a way where the Hamas terrorists will not know that the Israelis are coming in. And I'll tell you this, Israel's really good at finding a different way into your tunnel or home or building. Awesome. Uh, Aaron, this is unbelievable information. And believe me, my confidence is with you and the Israelis. If you tell me they can do it, I know they can. Last one, about two minutes ago, also what struck me during this conversation was, for counterterrorism, time is good. Well, for again, laymen like me, I'm thinking, well, hold on a second. They abducted old people. Elderly people need medication. They've got diabetes. They've got heart issues. I doubt that Hamas went to the pharmacy, for example, and is getting them their medication. They're going to die. Little babies who need to have their their diapers changed. And even this young girl today, we feel like here the late people, like the longer it goes, the more people die, plus the bombings. Let me me clarify. Let me clarify, Sid. I think it's a good point you're bringing up. Let me clarify for your listeners. So when I I say that time is a friend of counterterrorism, it's the same way that I say darkness is a friend of special operations. Time... And if there are negotiations, listen, if there's negotiations going on, which I very seriously doubt is possible with Hamas, but I think that they're experiencing such a serious blow right now. And, and the flex that's happening with the aircraft carriers that are on their way to Israel, I, there, there are going to be some backdoor conversations being had right now. And that time buys time to plan. It buys time to uh, get intelligence that's actionable and to be able to uh, rehearse. Because, like I said, man, we're not coming in the front door, Sid. Right. We ain't coming in the front door. We're going to be standing wherever they're not looking. And when they do look, 
there's going to be a, a working end of an M4 pointed at their face. Oh, my God, this is fantastic. So is, uh, should I have any doubts that these uh, over 300,000 brave souls that are amassed and ready to go will go? Because now, again, United States folks are nervous that Joe Biden's going to change Netanyahu's mind and there'll be no ground incursion. I believe that uh, I believe it, I believe eventually that uh, that there will have to be ground uh, boots on the ground, and the reason why is because uh, there are, this is a this is a very built-up area, and there's only so much you can do from the sky. There's only so much you can do from missiles being shot from our Israeli Navy, who's been incredible. We've got by the way, we've got drones. Uh, the drones have been outstanding, but at the end of the day, you've got to get eyeballs on the ground. You have to be able to see those threats. So, be, so besides that general staff reconnaissance unit and the Imam, Israel's National Police Hostage Rescue Unit, getting ready for those raids, ultimately, when I say the complete destruction of Hamas, it means you're going to have to put boots on the ground. But let me tell you, there's some very, very good infantry units. The Kivati Brigade is down there. That's like equivalent to our Marines. They're an amphibious unit. Uh, they've been in Gaza. They, they, they know the streets. They know the area. They probably don't look the same right now. That's the truth. They probably look a little, a little more banged up. Yeah. But we've got the Golani Brigade down there. We've got 300,000 reserves. Again, it's a warrior culture, Sid. Israel comes together every 10 years. They're just kicking the rust off right now. So will they go in? Probably. Probably when? Don't know. Fair enough. When they do go in, it's going to be focused. It's going to be aggressive. And, uh, and again, it's, it's not their first dance. They're going right. to go in there. They're going to clear those pockets out. It's going to be house to house. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be casualties. It's going to be booby traps. But we've got a special method of clearing rooms for booby traps. I've been teaching it to law enforcement for 20 years. It's called Lim Pen. And if New York's listening, it's time to bring me out because it's different with terrorists than it is with some, you know, idiot teenager, active shooter walking into a school gunning people. It's a different animal. But, uh, uh, you know, let's just sit back and see what happens. Okay. Now, by the way, the last point you just made, New York does need to bring you out. There was a column. i got to run. But there was a column in yesterday's New York Post because most smart New Yorkers, not Democrats, most smart New Yorkers believe that Hamas is here and other hateful units, the thousands of people, the getaways, the, the people who have run out of their countries, even some of these illegal immigrants are here to kill us. And, and, and the NYPD is not ready for that. NYPD is a different animal. They, they, they've got a lot of built into place. You know, they had John Miller for a long time. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he, you know, he helped build a counterterror program for Bratton when he was in L.A. Uh, I was on with John the other night. He's a smart guy. Uh, they've got a lot of good pieces in place. But I'm talking about patrol. I'm talking about school resource officers. You know, I'm talking about synagogues. I'm talking about uh, uh, all the areas that aren't, you know, being that, that that police won't be able to get to. And again, the same can be one or two shooters coming in. You know what I mean? These are there's thousands of people that sympathize with Hamas that justify the rape, yes. the murder, the beheadings, the yep. burnings. So yep. it's a different time right now. And when Ismail, when these guys get on the internet and start saying global jihad, we may be in the preeminent stages of seeing this thing turn into fruition. So these are bigger and larger conversations. Everyone's on tack alert right now. Friends of mine at LEPD, I, I'm in touch with everybody. You know, they're being quiet, they're watching, but yes, everybody needs to step up the training. Because at yeah. the end of the day, cops, you know, they're running plates, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody's a SWAT guy like me, right. you know. It, right. It's and I've been in law enforcement for fifteen years as a reservist, but yes. It's time it's time to start training. So would would you be okay with me uh passing on your information to Mayor Eric Adams and police commissioner Eddie Caban? Because I'll yes, do it now. In fact, if you, if you, in fact, if you go to my website, cherriescounterterror.com, I've just reactivated my two-day counterterrorism tactical response course. I just spoke to a SWAT team here in L.A. 
in the, in the county of Los Angeles. That's what I do. I train SWAT teams in the uh, Israeli model. It's specific for counterterrorism. You let him know that uh, when he's ready, uh, uh, I'll get down there and let's have a meeting and let's let's keep the numbers low so we can get a lot of people trained so we can you know get into the budgets correctly. Uh, but I've got plenty of guys on my team and we'd love to help. Done. I'm going to set it up. And when I say I'm going to set it up, it's going to happen. Aaron Cohen, excellent job uh, as always. Please keep coming back and I'll get you the mayor's information later on today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, sir. Yeah, appreciate you, buddy. Aaron Cohen there, ladies and gentlemen, live from Los Angeles. He's great, man. So I'm going to send his information to the mayor, the police commissioner. We're going to take a short break through the news. And we're going to come back with a big 9 o'clock hour. A big boat. A <laughs> big boat today. Jim Jordan. Will he get in or out? We'll talk to Nancy Mace. She's going to join us. And we're also going to talk to Nicole Maliotakis. 9 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What'd you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Look. If you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment. Marshall Mathers, Eminem. Today's uh, Eminem's birthday. You know, I, I always, I kind of liked him, I guess. Slim Shady. And I did like that movie a lot. His life story. I forgot the name of it. Eight Mile. Yes. And uh, the girl in that movie, I loved her. She's dead now. Yes. Brittany Murphy. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's a talented guy, and I like him, but he's turned into such a... Well, he's one of them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of them. So I I, uh, I tell Aaron Cohen, the Israeli special ops guy... How old is Eminem today? I'm just curious. Uh, I wrote it down. 51. 51, Okay. So I tell the, the special ops guy, Aaron Cohen, special ops and hostage negotiator, he says he wants to come to New York. I said, great, would you mind if I give your information to the mayor, Eric Adams, and police commissioner, Eddie Caban? And I did it, as I told him I would, and it took the mayor literally five seconds to get back to me and said, thank you. So maybe I have brokered some deal between Israeli ops and New York City. Cool, man. Well, that prompted Lewis. No, that's just the only reason he's bringing it up. Well, so I know, but I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I tried to react like it's you know, like it's new news. Well, yeah, but I've already said that prompted Lewis to say something. What did I, I didn't. I don't even know what I said. I think you compared me to Henry Kissinger. Right, and that's that's a bad thing. <laughs> no. Bad? Well, how how is well then? What's your point? There's Lou again. He's making fun of me because right. I'm getting so powerful. Hold on a second. My daughter's calling. She does this all the time. Oh, Ava, I'm on the air, sweetheart. I'm still on. It's only uh, 920 in New York. Are you okay? I love you. Check is coming. Love you. Yeah. Right, bye-bye. Don't worry. It's all right. Just, you can pay for it. How much? It's all right. It's 20 hours a day outside the four that I'm on the air, and Ava <laughs> calls me every day when I'm on. And this is a law student. She's brilliant, and she just can't figure out what time it is. 
the minus well, five. Maybe she so needs- I have to pick it up because I'm always nervous because she's in Europe, you know. Well, maybe she needs some money. <laughs> what do you think she's calling? <laughs> Daddy, I miss you? Yeah. Oh. That's true. Jesse Waters <laughs> said that something last night. Great interview, Dad. That was great. You're in Wales. How do you know? Oh, uh, you're famous. <laughs> yeah. So Waters, uh, I had Joanne Ariola on this morning. It looks like she's going to be successful in stopping these illegals from coming to Floyd Bennett Field. Curtis is not entirely convinced yet, but Curtis knows better than anyone because he has now made it possible for seven spots to vacate illegal seven, including two on Staten Island, St. John Villa Academy. Congratulations to Curtis and Lebedo and Johnny Tobacco, the Rebels. So Waters said last night on Fox, he said, hey, folks, let me ask you something. Egypt shut the borders, okay? No one else in the Middle East wants Palestinians. No one. Guess who the people are that have said, Okay, come here. You have one guess. No, I'm not going to tell you. Let Jesse tell you. Cut number 11. Millions of Palestinians are fleeing Gaza, and America is being told, make room. The Palestinian neighborhood seems friendly, you know. These Mideast countries are Muslim. They share the same values, culture. The weather is familiar. So is the cuisine. These Arab states are constantly advocating for the Palestinians, So you'd think countries like, you know, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, would open their arms and give sanctuary to their Arabic brothers and sisters. Nope. These countries want nothing to do with the Palestinians. So the American left sees that, raises their hand and says, we'll take them. Not only will we take them, we'll pay for their flights here and then pay for them to settle into your neighborhood. Meanwhile, if you're an American trapped in Israel, you have to pony up the money to flee. So, why don't these Arab neighbors want the Palestinians? And what do they know that we don't? For one, a majority of Palestinians in Gaza support Hamas. So, Fire Marshal Jamal sees violent radicals looking for a place to live and thinks, my district's perfect. New York is always looking for more terrorist sympathizers who vote Democrat. But Fire Marshal Jamal wants to vet them so we don't accidentally fly in Hamas. Joe Biden who says he has no idea what his son does for a living, isn't the kind of guy I want vetting refugees from the Gaza Strip. America is the land of immigrants. Heck, my ancestors fled religious persecution in England. But the United States welcomes immigrants who assimilate. Do Palestinians strike you as people who you can easily assimilate here? And there are a lot of Jewish people here in New York. Why does Fire Marshal Jamal want to bring Palestinians to New York? We have enough problems. Let's not import a million people who cheered the 9-11 attacks into New York. Democrats want to deprogram Trump supporters, but now want to let in refugees who've been programmed to kill Jews since kindergarten. If you vote for Trump, you're in a cult and don't believe in democracy. But if you elect Hamas and are obsessed with spilling Jewish blood, you're just an innocent civilian who needs a free one-way ticket to Manhattan. Iran warning right now of attacks on Israel in coming hours, imminent coming hours, sometime today. This is on the Fox News scroll right now. Iran warns of attacks on Israel in coming hours. And if you thought, folks, that this is all new, Hamas, Iran, all these Jew-hating, Israeli-hating countries, there's something new. I got news for you. Maybe you heard a gold in my ear. 
Golda was one of the great leaders in history, the first female to become prime minister, really of any leadership role in all of the Middle East. She became the fourth Israeli prime minister back in 1969 and proudly served until 1974. Fifty years ago, folks, 50 years ago, Golda Meir was in charge. And she told somebody this, which sounds exactly like what's going on today. Fifty years ago, Golda Meir, Lewis, cut number eight. This is something that must be realized by people in the world, and unless they realize that, uh, there's no understanding of the entire situation. This, their quarrel with the Arabs is not a quarrel for a piece of land. It's not for territory. It's not for anything concrete. They just refuse to believe that we have the right to exist at all. So I played a cut from you earlier from former New York Knickerbocker great Omari Stoudemire, black man Jewish, who called out BLM. And his exact quote was, and he said the whole word, FBLM, F the politicians, FBLM. Well, he wasn't the only one calling out BLM. Young lady by the name of Yitish, who they call Titi Aina. Yes, as they call her. She's actually the Miss Israel beauty queen. And she was on social media yesterday blasting BLM just like Amari Stoudemire. Using their quote, I can't breathe. This is Aina from Israel, cut number 16. I can't breathe. Do you remember that? I'm shocked. So shocked by the response of Black Lives Matter regarding the terror attack situation here in Israel. Remember you screaming in the street, I can breathe. I can breathe. So I want to inform you that right now there is Israeli hostages in Gaza. Babies, children, mothers, women, entire family who cannot breathe. They were kidnapped, raped by the terror organization Hamas. Do you think killing is enough for them? They attack people at the party near to the Gaza Strip. They kidnap women. They kidnap girls who have not stopped their life yet. They rape them, slaughtering their soul. Hamas is ISIS. Pray for us. Pray for Israel. Because we can breathe. Grant Stinchfield used to be a host on Newsmax. Now he's got his own podcast. He's one of my favorite guys in America. One more, then we'll take a quick break. Get to Nicole Maliotakis. Grant was talking yesterday about the reality of guns and how every now and then, like the Israeli situation, owning a gun is a good thing. Grant Stinchfield, Lewis, cut number six. Horrific, deadly new video of these attacks on Israel by these deranged terrorists, so-called jihadists, and their death brigades. What you're looking at here are those Islamic jihadists in the backyard of Israeli neighborhoods. The backyard, going home to home, killing people, brutalizing them. In many cases, kidnapping women and children, taking them back into Gaza. Lives destroyed, and lost. Now think about this. They came in from the backyard. I have a backyard. 
You know what else I have? A gun safe filled with firearms to protect me. And yet Joe Biden, after this massacre, has the gall to say this. Who in God's name needs a weapon with 100 rounds in a chamber? Americans need a firearm with that kind of capacity. So did the Israelis. All right, there you have it. So once again, the latest news is rockets being fired at central Israel, which means since this thing started a week ago Saturday, the whole country of Israel basically has been attacked at some point. Iran is warning Israel there will be an attack, an imminent attack coming in the next couple of hours. Joe Biden is set to arrive in Israel tomorrow. And as of right now, the 300,000-plus infantry troops have still not entered the Gaza Strip yet. They continue to collect information as the first of what I think will be many hostage videos made public with beautiful 21-year-old Mia Shem. We'll take a uh, short break. When we get back, big day for Congress. Is Jim Jordan in or out? And the immigration bill put up by Nicole Maliotakis, what does that look like? We'll talk to our very own Nicole Maliotakis. She coming up next. WABC. Got this in pocket. Got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention. Is Nicole on Staten Island today? She's got to be in D.C. for the vote, right? I would think so. Let me get to uh, one of our favorites. Staten Island, Brooklyn, great Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. You got to be in D.C., right, Nicole? I'm in Washington, ready to go vote for Jim Jordan. What time is that vote? Noon. You know, um, uh, I've become very, very good friends with Nancy Mace. And um, 
She's been on quite a bit. In fact, she's supposed to be on this morning, but she, uh, first time ever in about 20 appearances, she jobbed me. That's fine. Um, but everybody I talk to hates her. Like Judge Janine called her a horrible word on Friday. I had Mark Levin on yesterday. He had some choice words. Even my wife. Everybody I speak to, like, hates her at this point. I don't. I don't like what she did. I think Kevin McCarthy was just fine. And I don't think there'll be a big difference between Jordan and McCarthy. And there was no reason to throw this whole thing into two weeks of complete chaos, especially now. So I don't like what she did. But people hate her. How do you guys feel? Well, look, I'm going to practice Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, thou shalt not attack another Republican. Today is the day we need to unite. I agree with you. I agree with you. All of this was very unnecessary, uh, and things probably won't change that much. Um, But with that said, uh, today's the day to unite. Uh, I was an early supporter of Jim Jordan. Um, I believe he's the one who could bring everyone together. He has a relationship with the moderates to the ultra-conservatives and all the Republicans in between. And we'll see today if that's the truth. Uh, if he can if he can manage to get the votes, we've been working very uh, heavily to try to uh, talk to colleagues who are still undecided or, you know, in the no category to try to move them over. Uh, but I believe that uh, he's the team builder. He's the one who can give bring the fight to the White House, to the Senate, negoti- negotiate on our behalf, gets conservative wins for the American people. And by the way, this can't continue. Look at the, what you were just talking about, about Iran potentially attacking directly Israel. Uh, we are seeing our greatest ally under attack. Um, and they need our support, number one. But also, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect our homeland. Uh, we need to keep pushing the Senate to secure the border, pass out Border Security Act, Chuck Schumer. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is we can get back into session, pass the remaining eight appropriation bills to fund the government so we don't shut down in 30 days, and put them on Schumer's desk and give Jim Jordan the time and the leverage to negotiate on our behalf and get us some wins. Well, I love what you said. I, I don't like Chuck Schumer. I don't think he's a friend of the American people. And if Jim Jordan even gets the votes today, we're still not guaranteed we're going to get that border money, are we? Well, look, I, the president's requesting more money uh, for the border, but the problem is he wants to process paperwork. He's He's actually not empowering our Customs and Border Patrol agents to do their job. He's not reinstating the policies of President Trump that were working. Remain in Mexico. And also, let me stop you for a second. Not only is he not doing all of that, but at least I've been told that if there is going to be any money towards the border, he's going to want money in exchange for Ukraine. And i got to tell you, right now, as a proud Jewish boy from Brooklyn working in New York City, I'm sick of giving Ukraine money. Give that money to Israel. Enough with Ukraine. Give it to Israel. They need it right now. Yeah, the, look, these, these, these requests should certainly be coming up as, as individuals, not trying to lump it all together. That would only slow down the support for Israel when they need it critically at this moment. Um, so I agree with you there. Uh, but the thing is, the president's going to be making this request, and, and if Congress is not in session, we can't respond, we can't negotiate. Uh, so so that, that is a major problem. People, look, I understand sometimes – Members of Congress are in this, like, D.C. bubble, and you get sort of cut off from the real world, particularly when we're sitting in a room for hours uh, fighting with each other or at least airing grievances, right? The, the reality is there's real stuff happening in the world. We have Americans held hostage. we got our ally under attack, uh, and we need to get back to work immediately. In 30 days, the government shuts down unless we take action. 
you know, we have to give Jim Jordan the time and, again, the leverage to negotiate on behalf of the American people, get us conservative wins, let's cut excessive wasteful spending, let's force Schumer to secure our border for real, not just yeah. ask for more money to process more paperwork right. and to transport more migrants. Got it. <laughs> so, but, but I'm going to ask you, see, here's where I'm confused, okay? I understand maybe you wanted um, McCarthy, and then you wanted Steve Scalise. But it seems to me like we're running out of candidates. It wasn't like Matt Gates, that a-hole, decided to blow up McCarthy and then run for himself. That would have been a move I would understand. He just wanted to blow up McCarthy and just kind of run away. He's a coward. Um, so the question for these Republicans that are undecided, they're saying no. What's their choice? They want a Democrat there? I don't get it. What do they think, what do they think is going to happen here? Look, I, I've been spending a lot of time over the weekend speaking with my colleagues, uh, trying to get them on our side to just unite. Look, I think American people are just frustrated. They see the Democrats united, and the Republicans aren't. The Democrats are winning fights where we should be, you know, we're, we're one-third of the government, right? We need to stick together. We need to stick together and fight twice as hard or to get half as much, right, from what we want. And that's the reality because of the way the dynamics are. But we must unite. And look, it doesn't make any sense to go in there today and vote for Kevin McCarthy when Kevin McCarthy is voting for Jim Jordan. And that's what I've been trying to stress with my colleagues is, you know, look, we understand you're upset the way Kevin McCarthy was removed. I was upset as well. We should have never had eight, eight Republicans siding with all the Democrats to oust him. It was wrong. He did not deserve that. Uh, but when you see Kevin McCarthy even coming and saying Jim Jordan's the guy, he's the one that could unite us, he's the one that can lead, we need to respect that. If we respect Kevin McCarthy, then you should support his choice. Uh, and that is why I think that uh, we got to go in there today. Look, it may, as I said before, it may take multiple rounds. It took Kevin 15. It took the Pope five rounds to get elected. <laughs> All right? So let's, let's recognize that it's not easy to get yeah. everyone together. Yeah. Um, but we have to recognize that the fight is with the Senate and the White House, not with each other. We must be united with one-third of the government with a very slim majority. So it takes us all to be part of the team and move us forward. The great Nicole Maliotakis joining here. Um, you know, I, I know the answer is no because I'm aware people vote you in. You got the job. I get it. But isn't there something we can do about the squad? Isn't there something we can do about these three animals, and there's more than three, but they're the faces of it. I know people voted them in, and that's their job, and that's it. But is there something we can do to get rid of these people, something? Help me. Well, look, I, I, like somebody like Ilhan Omar almost lost her Democratic primary. I mean, putting up a common-sense Democrat for once, if they exist anymore, I think there are still a few. And, uh, look, we could put up – I think there needs to be a little more effort to elect whoever's running against her – uh, this time around, uh, I, I worked very hard, as you know, to get her removed from the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. I was on that committee. I heard her spew anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic, anti-American rhetoric. And uh, I, 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 that's one of the things I applaud Kevin McCarthy on. You know, one of the first things he did was make sure that he removed Ilhan Omar from that com committee because she shouldn't be interfacing with, you know, foreign officials, ambassadors, heads of states. When you have an anti-American view and also a, a negative view of our allies, um, so we, we've tr we're trying to make you know there's only so much you can do right when somebody is duly elected, as you say, uh, but uh, just trying to expose what they're doing so they don't keep getting reelected. I think that's a real real key. So the rebels, as they call themselves, 
your friends, your Staten Island buddies, Curtis Sliwa, Scott Lobato, Johnny Tobacco, all those guys, um, they, uh, they've won again. Uh, St. John Villa Academy, they've, uh, they got the vacate order. There's another school on Staten Island. They've done it. In fact, according to Curtis on this show this morning, there are now seven different spots, seven that have been ordered to vacate. And talking to my friend Joanne Ariola this morning, New York City Queens Councilwoman, who says she's about to join you up there in, uh, or down there in D.C. in Congress about your bill. She seems very, very confident that Floyd Bennett Field will also not uh, end up housing any of these illegals. So it looks like the precedence is set, Nicole, specifically in your borough of Staten Island, that if these places are unsafe, like a flood zone, for example, these people just can't go. It looks that way, no? Yeah, look, this was a, a great team effort. I was proud to be part of the lawsuit to to shut down St. John's lawsuit. I was also plaintiff with Joanne Ariola to uh, prevent Floyd Bennett Field from being used. Uh, and you're right. We are setting precedent. I think what came out of our lawsuit on Staten Island was incredibly important because the mayor kept insisting that New York City taxpayers had an obligation to house these citizens of other countries that have crossed into our country illegally. And uh, we said, no, the right to shelter decree was intended for homeless New Yorkers. And the judge affirmed that. He affirmed what I've been saying since the very beginning, that we did not have an obligation to house these people. We shouldn't be utilizing our resources, our public spaces, whether it be a school or a park, taking them away from the taxpaying citizens uh, to turn them over to people who are in the country illegally. And by the way, not vetted. Um, And so I I think that that this was a significant victory uh, in Staten Island, and I hope we'll have the same outcome in Brooklyn. But yes, I have legislation to uh, prevent federal parks from being used, uh, and that's going to be coming through the committee this week. Uh, but in addition to that, I also have, unfortunately, think about this, in a post-9-11 world, I had to actually introduce legislation to prevent military bases from being used, because Kathy Hochul specifically is requesting military be used, military bases be used to house uh, these individuals which is just unconscionable to me. Uh, but it, look, what we're seeing happening right now in Israel, you know, those types of attacks on the ground could happen here. Yeah. And I, I've been saying this for a, a long time. It's finally people starting to get it. You even hear the governor the other day saying we can't offer housing to eight, the 8 billion people on the planet. She literally quoted me. That's what I've been yeah. saying for, for almost two years now. One more, about 60 seconds to go. My buddy Anthony sent me this. Are you aware of Justin Brannon's band? No. <laughs> well, the name of his band, he claims he's an atheist. But his band goes out of its way to actually, uh, I don't want to say demonize, but he says ugly things about Christians. The name of his band is Most Precious Blood. And he's got a picture on his latest album cover it's titled Our Lady of Annihilation. I think it's Mother Teresa. Well, whatever it is, uh, I'm looking at a conversation here between him and somebody else where the the person says, this is your band, right? This is this is your song. Go look at it, Nicole. Most precious blood, our lady of annihilation. Clearly a really disgusting shot at the Christians. So on top of everything else. That Justin Brandon does defund police, totally okay with uh, cashless bail, all the horrible things he does as a city council member. It looks to me now like he has no issue bashing Christianity, which may be the worst of all.
So take a look. Well, at well, I'm sure I'm sure that he's just as bad a musician as he is a legislator. And you're right. He did for all these crazy things. I mean, literally to defund $1 billion from our NYPD. He sided right with Bill de Blasio and, and, and all the crazies on that one. And then on top of it, he tied their hands, you know, voting for the diaphragm law, making it more difficult for the NYPD to make arrests, releasing criminals back onto the streets, um, you know, closing Rikers Island, building a jail in Brooklyn, raising property taxes, which, by the way, if you're a renter, it affects you too, because that's passed on to you in the form of your rent. So he increased the cost of living here in New York City, uh, so, so, and, and by the way, he's advocated. Not only did he, did he, because he's the finance chairman, he allocated a significant amount of money for these migrant shelters and encampments across the city. But he even came to Washington to try to get the feds to give him more money too, so we can have more migrant shelters and encampments. So Justin Brandon is just out of sync with the people of Bay Ridge, Southern Brooklyn. Uh, we need to elect Ari Kagan. That is a critical election. Um, I think it's the 28th. October 28th is when. Early voting begins. Election day is obviously November 7th. But please, if you're in southern Brooklyn, Bay Ridge, Bath Beach, Gravesend, Seagate, Coney Island, we need you to come out strong for Ari Kagan. We flipped a number of seats in my congressional district on the state level last year. We could do it again this year. Let's get it done. Let's elect more common sense individuals who respect our police, that support public safety, that want to see uh, the quality of life cleaned up that, that these Democrats have caused. Um, and let's support Ari Kagan. I love it. I'm uh, endorsing him as well. Nicole, great job. Good luck today getting Jim Jordan that position. And you keep doing the great job that you're doing. You really are terrific. So thank you so much for hopping on today. Thanks so much. Great right. to be with you. You too. Nicole Maliotakis will come back. we got lots more to do. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I got to tell you, I'm not sure I'm going to sleep tonight. I keep seeing these um, pictures and videos. I'm glad we shut two of the TVs off here of uh, Mia Shem. And Mia Shem is just two years older than my daughter, 21, Ava's 19. So I, um, you know, I mean, obviously any human would be upset, but certainly a father seeing these uh pictures on this video is just I don't know what I would do I don't, I don't you know these parents I well you know her mother has been on the news all day and I've seen Rachel Goldberg a thousand times Hirsch's mother I don't know how they do it I don't it's heartbreaking Aaron Cohen seemed very confident when he called earlier that the Israeli intelligence 
something he did for many years, hostage negotiator. We're going to figure it out, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if this video was yesterday or last week. These people are alive or dead. You just don't know. And I don't know what's happening with this girl the other seven days and 24 hours a day that she's not on video. And, um, it's hard to watch that. See, Hamas is winning. They're, they're winning here. I mean, uh, Israel will, will ultimately win, but I remember when people would say, don't let the terrorists win after 9-11. They won. You don't want to hear it. If Trump says that, he gets in trouble. They won. Not only did they kill thousands of our people, they changed our lives forever. They won. They won. And right now Hamas is winning because you got a kid in Queens in New York, thousands of miles away, that can't think of anything else right now but me or Shem. That's what they do, psychological warfare. I'm not even involved in this. I'm not in Israel. I'm not in the Gaza Strip. I'm in Manhattan in Queens. And I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach as a father of a 19-year-old girl. I, I, I'm, well, anyway, it was a great show. The guests were great. You guys are great. This has been a very difficult eight days. Very difficult. Seven days, I'm sorry. Five shows last week and two shows this week. Very difficult. But we keep going. And uh, I guess... If it's been difficult for me and us, just imagine what it's like for those poor people in Israel. And again, the parents of these kids. That's it. Lou, you were brilliant again today. Thank you very much. Justin, you're a good boy. And Noam, I love you too. You too, Jimmy. We'll do it again tomorrow, God willing, as Gene would say, at 6 a.m. That wraps up our Tuesday edition. So tomorrow, folks, I leave you with these three words as I do every day now. Pray for Israel. Pray for Israel.